Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That was the treble one. So, um, what's the maths on that then? Yeah, three swims. Um, I should be able to remember this. I know the swim at some point, eleven point four k rings yeah, about seven point two miles. Yeah, that's you done a three hundred thirty six mile bike, um, and then you obviously ran seventy whatever those seventy eight miles. See, see, I haven't a clue what I'm talking. If we're talking K here, yeah. If we're talking K, I think it was five, what rings the bell is 520 or 540 K on the bike. And then I think it's a 210 K run. So yeah, that's about right. That, my friend, was Jer Prentecast. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey, everyone. How's everyone doing this week? My name's Robbie Marsh, and I'm your host. So welcome to the podcast. We enter into the world of triathlon this week from one of Ireland's most unassuming ultra-endurance triathletes. I really connect with Joe through this episode. He hasn't been in the sport that long. He also completed 52 Ironman long-distance triathlons in 52 weeks. And through this episode, we learn how he built his mental strength through a list of failures on his way to success. The man's a legend in my eyes, feels on a plant-based diet and has an athletic ability that most of us will never experience. The sound is a little bit off, but bear with this episode. I've really been restricted with time this week, so you're getting the full uncut version of the podcast with all its warts. I have a new sound system coming in for my 100th episode, which is with Courtney Dewalter, so keep your ear to the ground for that special episode. Before we start, I'd just like to give a quick mention to the sponsors of this episode, Born to Run. Their last race of the winter series is in Castlewell in County Down on the 22nd of February. Can't believe the series is almost over for another year, but hope to see you all there. Don't want to hold you up any longer. It's with great pleasure I give you Jer Printercast. I want to go, I always go strip right back to beginning to get a bit of context and understand yeah. some of your early history into sport and how you came into this um, crazy and wild sport now that we know yeah. of Decker Ironman. Like, so. Um, yeah. Because you were, you were sort of around the gym when you were younger, weren't you? Yeah, well, I grew up in a, a fairly sporting family. Um, I've a big family as well. Um, out here in Northside Dublin, a place called Ballymun. Um, be well known um, back in the 80s for probably the wrong reasons. But um, So because of that, my dad set up a gym just to keep us all out of trouble, basically, you know, and keep us on the right track. So I said a big family of six brothers and six sisters. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> 14 of us, and we all at one at one stage lived in the same house, you know that way. So Where, where were you on the uh, pecking order? I'm fourth youngest, okay. so I was uh, I was kind of one of the babies, like, you know. And by the time, you know, I was being looked at, I had lots of people to look after me, me all the brothers and sisters, like, you know, as well. So, um, but, uh, yeah, like, it was at one stage we all lived in the same house, as I said, so. Things like Christmas and all were fairly uh, <laughs> interesting affairs, you know, but um, great crack as well. But um, yeah, like, so my dad, as I said, it's a fairly rough area, especially back then. It, it's gone through, over the last probably 10, 15 years, it's gone through a regeneration. So yeah. um, you still have, you know, it's um, still a bit rough in, in places. But anyway, um, to keep us out of trouble and keep us, um, you know, looking after each other and, fit and healthy, he set up a gym basically. So yeah, he made a gym and, and it was um, more of a boxing thing at the time. He obviously wanted us to be able to handle ourselves in such a rough area as well. Like, And um, so a couple, of me, a couple of me brothers are fairly handy, all Ireland champions. And 
Um, I like I was I I was decent at it, but I wasn't allowed to compete because I had an accident when I was eight years of age and I was blinded in my left eye, so I couldn't compete in the ring. Okay, so were you to- um, totally blinded in your left eye? Totally blinded. Yeah, it was an accident. I got it like a stick. With, you know these, you know those old cots would do like yeah, wooden sticks. Yeah. And we used to throw the sticks uh, into the ground. You know, and one of my pals kicked one and, and took out the left lamp. Jeez. But um. Yeah. I bet he felt so good about like, that. Pardon? I bet he felt good about that. Yeah, actually, we are, as I said, we are only like seven or eight. I, know. I can't yeah. even remember the incident, you know, that way. So I uh, probably blocked it out, which is a good thing. But uh, yeah, so um, I wasn't able to compete. Like, otherwise, I'd be giving up a fairly uh, strong advantage to me opponent, you know. But I did I did a lot of sparring and stuff, and I was fairly handy, like, man. But it was more the fitness side of it I was I was um, involved with like and then as we uh, as we got older um, I, I said I had uh, six other brothers and I was I think I'm um, second youngest out of brothers but um, the older brothers turned more to the kind of weights weightlifting bodybuilding okay. side I think so the gym became more of that and it was open to the, the public uh, and at the time back then it was the only gym in Ballymore Ballymore's a huge place like you know it's probably 20 30,000 people in it so it was the only gym in Ballymore so it was fairly busy and it was it was a uh, you know big deal back then but um yeah so there did seem to be a lot of those sort of around the country wasn't there sort of drawing people in you know especially around boxing I suppose it was for people to stand up for themselves um, yeah, but it learned some great disciplines, though, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like as you say, it was more to a popular and kind of disadvantaged area. Mm-hmm. So you can, like, um, I know you listen to um, the likes of Conor McGregor and all. He he's took up boxing because he was getting bullied and stuff. So it's a similar vein, you know. But um, yeah, very popular around the times. So, and Aaron was the only one in Ballymore, but. Um, we'd be competing boxing-wise against lots of other clubs around, you know, North Dublin and stuff as well. Um, but as I said, then it turned more to the weightlifting stuff. So I remember I started doing weights, like, you know, light, light enough. I was being well looked after by my brothers. But fairly um, light weights around the age of 12, 14, you know. But it was more just to be in around the other guys lifting and, and learning the, the business. And, like, I learned loads, like, you know, technique-wise and how to lift without actually... Um, training heavier, harder, and obviously being a 14 year old, you wouldn't be able to, you know. But as I said, I was in and around all the all the older guys from the age of 12, so I picked up loads and learned loads, and then carried that on later on. Yeah, like and, and back then, like as I said, it was it was big business in Ballymore, so a lot, a lot of guys went on to do bodybuilding for the gym um, at bodybuilding shows and all. So it was always involved some way with, with kind of fitness at even at a young age is, is what I'm saying. And then um so from the the weightlifting um and bodybuilding kind of stuff led me on to kind of fitness as a career, you know that way. And um in terms of sport at that age, well I didn't really start playing um um for a team in soccer until I was sixteen, like um, because most of the time we just played, as I said, I had a lot of brothers, so we kind of had our own football team, you know, and our own football pitch at the side of the house. And our dad was fairly, um, I'd say, fairly strict in terms of keeping us close to the house, you know, that way. He's just yeah. worried about within the area that we were in. Um, I'm probably making anyone to sound <laughs> to sound like it's LA or something, but it's um, not safe enough. But I just mean he was he was always you know, looking after us. 
But um, so we, we kind of played at the side of the house most of the time um, and with our friends and stuff. So it wasn't like I didn't uh, travel to play for a team until I was 16. But um, because I was fairly decent at the time, I, I played well for uh, local teams, Sandy Hill and Bally Moon. Um, but never, I have to say, I never really loved it because I, I never felt I knew really what I was doing in terms of positional uh, stuff on the pitch, you know, that way, because it was just like a street ball or that kind of thing. But then I found uh, futsal, which is indoor football. And um, because of my background playing on the streets, I was fairly, I was actually much better at that than the 11 aside football. Um, and I think the eye kind of as well played into that as well, because when I was playing futsal, the, all the pitch was just right there, kind of in front of you, you know, that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even, I know the left lamp is gone, but I'm still um, short-sighted in the right one as well. But uh, with a football, a futsal pitch, everything's right there in front of you, especially with the position that I played in. It's uh, called anchor. So it's pretty much like a centre half. So the only person behind me is the keeper. And I don't really have to be worried about that now to me left flank or anything. So everything's okay. fairly in front and um, so I've done well with that. I played. Um, it was like the, the the top league in Ireland. It was like the Aircom League back then. Mm-hmm. And I then played for the visually impaired international team as well. So I got to travel to like Turkey, France, um, Argentina, England. I got to play in like World Cups and European Cups. So that was really cool. Oh, like back yeah, then. That is cool. So what age were you then? Sixteen, seventeen? No, no, it was like uh, late twenties then. You know, right, okay. that only came along late enough. As I said, you know, I only started playing the, the soccer late. Well, sixteen is 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 late to be joining your first team, I suppose. But was the futsal, and we got into that. Like I think I was twenty five or something. Yeah. You know? What were you doing then? In- around that time then so for a fitness perspective were you just training football or no look well I, I wasn't a runner now it was more the gym uh the weights kind of stuff so Strength that really yeah really lent a hand to the, the futsal because i was kind of beefy at the time as well so he used that to me advantage with you know putting the shoulder in and stuff like that and i was a good kind of level of um you know, multi-sprint endurance, which is what you need for futsal. It'd be very similar to basketball. Everything about it, like the, the layout of the pitch, the positions. The, I'm just laughing the, there, like 15 minutes in indoor football and I'm bright red. Like, you think I'd blown a gasket. <laughs> but it is yeah. quite a hard sport though, isn't it? It's quite quite physical oh, and quite it's, quick. I tell you, it's non-stop. It's absolutely non-stop. The clock stops when the, on, in futsal, the clock stops when the, when the ball goes out. But it's like, it's, and it's literally... You could be sprinting for probably, I think, I'm not sure the dimensions of the pitch, but you could be sprinting 50 metres and sprinting yeah. back within a couple of seconds, and it's literally non-stop. As I said, very similar to basketball. If you watch it, mm-hmm. uh, top basketball guys, you know, them, those guys seem to be cruising up and down, but like literally top-end speed for nearly 40 minutes. Well, the, the, the duration of a match is 40 minutes, but it could go on for an hour because the ball goes out. You know, and comes back in. So the clock stops and the ball goes out and then back on when it comes so back in. So did that transfer then over when you started to do a little bit of running? Yeah, I definitely think so. I definitely think so. Um, like I had a, a good, more probably more so, yeah, definitely did. Probably I was going to say there probably more so for the swimming, but the swimming didn't come until a couple of years mm. after I started running, you know, that way. What I'm saying is I had a good level of fitness. Yeah. A good level of fitness. Like, but it's like... I was doing, say, but as I said, it's called multi-sprint endurance, so it's just short and sharp things. It did transfer over a little bit, but not 
a lot say a 10k would kill me like at that time you know that way um That's so the max of it. When I, I, I see a lot of that with a lot of GAA players coming across you know they've got the 10k yeah. pace and yeah. normally faster than me and they've only started running but it's because of yeah. all that <laughs> short bursts that they're doing um, but the yeah. max is around 10k you know they have to sort of grow and develop that afterwards absolutely absolutely that that's kind of the natural progression as well like um with ga players soccer players mm. you kind of lose as you get into your late 20s well sorry late 20s early 20s mid 20s you start losing that little bit of uh, bite a little bit of speed so they start packing it in and they're looking for something else exactly what happened to me and you, you come across the longer longer kind of endurance stuff and it's more still with the middle age you know that way it's more about almost patience and endurance you know that way and you can build up the endurance then especially if you have that little bit of fitness as yeah. we've we're there's, there. a, there's a great base carrying you in though isn't it definitely yeah yeah so like what happened with me then was the um the, the international futsal kind of disbanded due to funding and uh, I don't want to get solicitors on to me now, but I think we know where all that money was going, you know, that way. Yeah, like we had to pay for our own trips, like going to Argentina and France and stuff. You know, we got a few bob towards it, like, but for the majority, as um, we had to pay for most of it, you know, that way, which is, and you're representing your country, you think they'd look after you a bit more, but yeah. uh, as I said, the less said about that, the better. <laughs> but uh, that kind of, because of the funding wasn't there, that kind of, it disbanded and that was i think 20 uh 20 2011 i had play, played i think in argentina in 2010 we did play quad nations in in england in 2011 and that was the last of it then and i think i was only 32 so that would have been 20 no 20 or 31 so um the i didn't want to go back and play in the the in the 11 aside because as i said it was now i was never really comfortable you know, I wasn't, I wasn't half bad. I could you know, score a few goals, but I yeah. never really enjoyed it. I wasn't you're, jumping out of bed. any younger either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't there. Uh, like, I still probably could have played a couple of years, yeah. but just as I said, didn't really enjoy it. That's why we do sport to enjoy it. You know that way. Yeah. I felt it was more of a what's the word? It was more pressure to go than you know, you know, it was more of a hindrance than anything else going. You know yeah. that way. But um, so I was looking for something else then, and of course that's where the road run came in. At this at this time then, 2011, I was doing um, as a personal trainer. I had groups of um, boot campers, people I was training, you know, and they were always looking for little challenges outside the classes. So we all signed up for 5K. It was like a park run at the time. I don't think park run was big here yet. So you you were one of the first PTs then, really, before it really took off. Is that fair enough to say? You're sort of doing personal trainer back in 2011. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was a personal trainer long before that. But it's around that. now, the last four or five years. It's... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's mad. It's, yeah, yeah. it's huge. It's big. It, was, it was big business back then as well. But the, I think that the whole fitness class thing really took off the last probably seven or eight years, you know, that way. And the January buzz and all is huge. It was, it was I think what you're going to see. I almost think there's another phase coming now where people are starting to get more awareness about strength and conditioning and how it helps their sport. You know, because we all started off just running and training for marathons, not you, obviously, because you already had that background. But, um, you know, when I look back over the marathons I've run, I've realized how weak I was 
yeah and yeah that awareness people are looking for the next level and i think you're going to see yeah. that now over the next two or three years you already would have been seeing it the last year or so where yeah. a lot of the just ordinary general runners are now actually looking to see about strength and conditioning as well yeah. so it really really helps really helps. oh massively mm. massively i think what happened as well a lot of people who are new to running they tend to kind of they tend to kind of do too much too soon and they're picking up injuries and then when they have the, the injury, they're looking into how can I avoid injuries? And of course, they come across the strength and condition and stuff. So they start adding that into their routine as well and seeing the benefits of that as well. And yeah. another thing with, similar to that, I suppose, as well as the nutrition as well. Like, you know, and that's, and we were talking about it during the week, that's big business as well now in terms of adding that into your whole um, your whole fitness thing, you know, your whole fitness bundle. You have your your training, then your strength conditioning, and then nutrition is just yeah. probably the biggest of the three, the most important of the three. You know? See, I, I feel you can get away with it when you're just running a marathon. Um, I started yeah. looking into my nutrition when I done the Ironman for the first time, um, because I was too tired and I wasn't able to recover quick enough, and I was yeah. trying to just scrape in the training. Um, yeah. So I changed my diet then to a plant based diet. Yeah. Well, I actually tried four different diets one month after another. So just right. a calorie counting one, a gluten-free one. Um, I think it was the keto diet and the plant-based diet just to yeah, see how sure. each would affect me because there's that much bullshit yeah. out there about this, that, and the other. Um, you're spot on with that one. You're spot on because I think you have to be your own kind of guinea pig as well. You're absolutely spot on with that. There is so much stuff out there like everybody has an opinion on everything you know that way the keto will work for some people fair enough but that's depending on what their goal is as well as huge you know but i think for me i know obviously you're saying i don't know if you want to go into this now but with the, the whole um what's the the um the program on netflix the game change game changer yeah. yeah it's it's i'll tell you it's cool like but a lot of people have um opinions on it and i, I think a lot of a lot of people are one yeah i was going to say the unfortunate thing is there's that much propaganda on tv yeah. i don't believe anything yeah. anymore and yeah yeah even though for me you know the plant-based style i felt like screaming at people you need to go plant-based like yeah. I, my yeah. energy levels have never been so consistent and yes yeah. i was coming yeah. home after real heavy sessions like you know i i mentioned before i'd done a 10 mile run 100 mile cycle and 10 mile run and i still have yeah. loads of energy yeah, no, but the lack classic. of the lack of sugar was a big thing, obviously, in that diet. Yeah, you yeah. weren't you weren't getting dropped. So yeah, when you were tired, absolutely. you were tired. You know that mm. sort of way. You weren't going up and down all day and looking for the next fix to lift you up. It was very yeah. consistent. So I actually wasn't going to watch the game changer, to be honest, because I had right. my mindset on plant based yeah, and what yeah. good it was for you. I knew myself how quickly I recover yeah. and things like that. Um, but when I did watch it, I did actually enjoy it. Um, yeah. And it's funny how easily us as humans are influenced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely. just seeing everybody jumping on the bandwagon, you know, vegan, I can't even say it, veganary or whatever it is. Like, you know, we've got meat companies, local January, ones here. Do, yeah. yeah, doing vegan sausages and all for January. And there's been this explosion just through one pro program. Yeah, and all these people yeah. that used to laugh at me about the plant-based yeah they're like yeah. oh did you see this and you can do this yeah. you can do that just from one program yeah i've loads of friends who are the same as well i wish and the wife is like oh he told you to do this years ago and all you know like i have i've been plant-based now she's nearly eight years you know that way yeah. and it was just like 
there was none of the game changes back then as well. And like I was, like, I, I wanted to go, I wanted to mention there about, um, you know, people looking at that and then watching the, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast debunking it. And they're basically then doing podcasts just repeating what Joe Rogan is saying, you know, that way. So where I was going with that was try it for your bloody self, like, and see how it works for you. Whether it be plant-based or whether it be uh, keto or whatever it is, you know, that fat adapted. There's, there's, no, there's, there's not an answer for any, there's no one answer for anybody. So no. the real answer for me is try things, but try and learn how to listen to your body. What works yeah, for yeah. you? What doesn't work for you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If a coffee works, if an espresso works first thing in the morning before you go out training, then take a coffee first thing in the morning. Yeah. You know, but it'll turn yeah. my stomach upside down. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do know for me who had like loads of skin issues and I, I actually struggle with a lot of tension, which I've been quite open about um, before. Um, but when I'm eating plant-based cleanly, um, it, it goes... And you can break that, you can unpack that several different ways as well when i say plant-based i cook from fresh all the time yeah yeah you know, i don't yeah yeah it's all it's all fresh um yeah but that's a, that's a different thing altogether isn't it? like and um, people think because it's vegan now after the likes of this game shows they think because it's vegan or it has a label on a vegan friendly or whatever that it's healthy which couldn't be farther from the truth like when you look at things like uh Oreos and a, a packet of red Pringles, or even all these kind of um, processed um, meat substitutes like Beyond Burgers and all uh, that, like that is all poison, you know, the corn and all. Yeah. So, like, it's called vegan or plant based, does not mean it's healthy. So, what you really want to be looking at is what you're saying there uh, whole foods, like, you know, nuts, seeds, um, beans, and like that, you know. Whole food. I made a lovely spaghetti bolognese there and it was like poi lentils, red wine, manuka honey, you know, all those things. Yeah. Just, it's just good fuel. That's what you get to learn, yeah. isn't it, really? When you yeah. start associating food with fuel, yeah. um, it's just your relationship to it then. You sort of... Yeah, absolutely. I've been playing, I've even been messing around with it. As I said, you know, I've been, I've, I've basically, I've had 200, and it's actually 200, one of your guys, Bobby Irvine, done the tunnel race there. I don't know if you've all this uh, ready to talk about, sorry, but I'm cutting ahead here. But I have that race now in March, basically, right? In the tunnel. So, in the tunnel. So, so for those who don't know, that. it's a 200 mile race in a one mile tunnel. Yeah, but I I have that now in March, so um, I'm kind of messing around with uh, different, basically trying to be more fat adapted, um, so I don't have to eat so much while I'm over there. You know that way. Um, but as um, a vegan, it's it's just a little bit more. I would say it's harder. It's just a little bit more work, and you've less options. So I'm working off a lot of cauliflower and broccoli and tofu. Oh, yeah, you can still have all the tomatoes and, and, and onions and all that kind of stuff. Um, lots of avocado as well, uh, lots of nuts and seeds. I'm having this smoothie pretty much every day, but I, I make it so thick, it's more like a, and it, it feels like I'm eating then as well. Yeah. So it's more like a mousse, you know, that way. So you're getting the, the, the satisfaction of eating something as well. But um, lots of um, high fat, calorific kind of stuff in there, calorie dense stuff as well. But on top of that as well, it, it kind of, it, I'm fasting as well in the morning. Um, so it's, I'm trying to go, as I said, I don't want to be eating over there because obviously when you eat, when you're running, heavy stomach, it slows you down, all that kind of stuff as well. So I'm trying to be able to uh, run for a lot longer and have a, a, a kind of empty stomach as well. You know what I mean? So the, the high fats as well, though, the high fats keep you kind of fueled for a lot longer. I heard there, 
I can't remember where did I hear it. Great analogy anyway. I think it was a, uh, the Primal Blueprint books. You ever read them? No. Um, it's all about kind of fat adapted stuff. Uh, they're they're in, big into keto, um, but obviously it's it's you know full on keto with meat that is a key point as well though because a lot of people avoid fat you're meant to have 20 yeah. of fat in your diet like so i like i eat tubs yeah. of peanut butter <laughs> yeah people still think you know if you eat fats you get fat you know but the analogy i was going there with in terms of the energy um, yeah. with the, 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 the old old school thinking is you know carbohydrates for energy so Years ago, when we were running marathons, we were milling rice, pastas, all that kind of stuff, you know? All that bloaty um, stuff. All that bloaty stuff, which affects your stomach massively. Well, it does me anyway, so yeah. it, take, maybe it does it. Maybe like, it works or something. The white white pasta takes about two or three days to break down in your in your body. Yeah. and yeah. Oh, it's, it's highly, highly processed. Old school it's is um, a feed of white pasta before the marathon, the night before the marathon. like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, now the guys talk, a great analogy in that book is the, the carbohydrates are kind of like kindling, you know, for starting a fire. Mm. We have to keep adding to them. So if you're going to use the carbohydrates, you have to keep adding to them. It's like, and they burn away very quickly. Whereas if you're using fats, they're like big, heavy logs and they burn away for hours and hours. And then even when you don't have um, food there, you're going to walk, because your body's fat adapted, you're going to walk away on what's there. So it's like yeah. you're carrying around food on your body, you know that way? There's, there's nobody better at it than Ian Keith. Ian Keith has yeah. it, you know, fat burning. Unbelievable. That man can yeah. go for hours and hours and hours because he's just trained his body to burn on his fats. Like, And you do you learn a lot about that in Ironman, don't you? Because, yeah, you know, if you move into your um, sugar burning so zone to yeah you only have about 90 minutes of sugar in your body um yeah. which is very fast burning sort of fuel compared to the yeah. fat which is slow burning um, yeah. but you've enough fat on you to last you months months and months you know? yeah. so you learn to stay when i was out on the bike training for the ironman i always had my heart rate under 130 and yeah. you know you go out and do a 100 120 mile cycle and you step off the bike again you know, but yeah. you're you're always eating on the bike. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you still you're not you don't blow up like you know. But yeah. If you go over that, if I was into the 150 beats, sort of like I'll blow up very quickly, like on the bike, couple of hours, and that'll be me. Yeah, uh, the heart rate. Like I've, I've done that now in the last couple of months as well. All geared towards this um this tunnel run. Uh, playing with the heart rate stuff, you know, and it was it was fascinating, like. Like when I started, um, and I, like I could do nearly, I, I'd probably break three hours now. I haven't, haven't done a sub three hour marathon, but I was very close to it before. I think it was three or four. So I reckon, it, and that was early on in me kind of running journey, if you want. But um, so I, I, I can run a little bit, you know the way. I'm not too bad. Yeah. But when I, when I went out doing the heart rate stuff, when as soon as I started running, my heart rate was gone up to 170s and I wasn't even moving fast, you know, that way. And over time, I think I was running a couple, I think less than two weeks, running at a night, uh, sorry, when I started running at, with the heart rate stuff, I had to nearly walk for 30, 40 seconds just to keep my heart rate under, I think it was 140 I was aiming for at the time, you know. I was using that math, you know, the um, yeah. um score, so I was using my age, to, I think my score would be 141. So I was taking 140 to keep it under and I had to walk for 
30, 40 seconds just to keep it on the 140. And then within five seconds, 10 seconds of winning, it was going back up to the 170s, 150s. Um, so it was frustrating. But over the, the couple of weeks, um, I was able to just, uh, like as soon as I started running, I actually used to jack up as well. But then after a couple of weeks, when I started running, it was staying around 80s and 90s, which was, I couldn't believe it, you know the way? And then after a couple of minutes, it would go up around to 120. And that's where I would keep it like so. Um, the difference in that kind of uh, I, um, heart rate. I was using the heart. I find it quite liberating to use the heart rate monitor as well because you're not under pressure. Yeah. It's telling you to slow yeah. down, so you can actually yeah, look around yeah, and yeah. you can enjoy. Um, but yeah. I, had, I had a ten mile loop that I was doing every morning, um, at the beginning of not last year, year before. I have to say now, <laughs> um, and I was just going out 140 beats, as you say, and it's quite a hilly route, so I was walking a lot of the hills, but I wouldn't yes. let my heart rate go over. Um, and it started off around 9.35. And by the end of the three months, it was down to 8.05 at the same heart rate. So it just shows you, you know, that's yeah. heart rate yeah. is effort. You know, it's yeah. a true measure um, of how your body's working. And yeah. there I was yeah. running 8.05 three months later, where I was running 9.45 at the same effort. So, Yeah, it's great when you can see the numbers there. I was never really a fan of the data, like... Up until recently, up until I started doing the heart race, so like I, I run without a watch because it just it kind of distracts me, or I found it distracted me and, and put me in a negative headspace. Mm. You know that when put me under pressure. Okay, I've done uh, whatever pace there. I'm gonna have to do it again. Do it. Do you know that way? And so after a while, I just realised it was it wasn't serving serving me. You know, it was just putting me under more kind of pressure. It's quite, so an, anxious, it's quite an anxious thing, like yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it can be. It can be if you let it. And I'm the type of person that did let it. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I was more of a fan of, of not bothering. So that, I don't have Strava for, for my bike or anything now. Like, you know, that I don't use it. You'll find um, the best workouts that you have are ones that you don't have your watch or you're not worried about it or you're relaxed. Yeah, I, I actually broke absolutely. my half marathon um, pace and I hadn't been training for one. And um, I'd actually had a few jars the night before, like, but <laughs> I took the watch off. I don't think I'd ran... <laughs> under seven, 7.45s um, in that four-month block. And I ran it in 6.52s. I had no watch wow. on. It's just like, how the hell did that happen? There's it's definitely something with yeah. the, the most stress, isn't there? And performance, for sure, yeah. No, I remember, I remember coming to the end of the roads and seeing stop signs. I was like, no, no, don't look at it. <laughs> or it was when the road said, slow down. You know, your head is so, it's just grabbing onto everything. Um, yeah, yeah. But lucky enough, I've seen this horse running across the field. So that's all it took. <laughs> I pulled that in. I was actually worried about this podcast because um, our paths are very aligned. We could do a podcast on nutrition. We could do a podcast yeah. on Ironman. We could do a yeah. podcast on heart rate training. We could do a podcast on suffering. <laughs> yeah. I'm big into suffering, all right, yeah. yeah. So you did, like, you, you did... Um, move then towards Ironman you did a lot yeah. of learning before you got into that we use the the word Ironman people know it as Ironman um, yeah people don't realize that that's just a Ironman's the brand is the brand. whereas like you can have the uh, I think the, that distance is the long distance or the long uh, yeah long distance triathlon or the some people call it even the iron distance triathlon just to um yeah. What's the word? Um, just basically separated from the Ironman brand, I suppose. But like, if 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 you if you're talking um, comparing it to another one, like Ironman is the, would be like the Nike of of uh, long gosh. distance. Training. Yeah, and you got like whereas challenge, challenge, yeah, 
Challenger would be the Adidas, you know that way. Yeah. And there's loads of different ones, um, long distance triathlons, you know. But, but there, um, there are some, Ironman, there's some really good athletes, um, triathletes, like world class, they just will not do Ironman. You know, they just stick to the challenge because they don't, they like don't want to buy into the whole. Yeah, it, there's a lot of commercial bullshit with it, like, you know that way. There, <laughs> but there, they, do there, put there on, is. they do put on a good event, though, to be fair. Like. Oh, and that was me next, uh, me next sentence, but it's one you have to do. You have yeah. to do it. Does, I wouldn't say there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in that in that side of things, you know. Right? But then I much prefer the the small ones like um, my pal Frankie Wright down in Liverpool Adventure Centre puts one on called the Celtic Warrior, and there's like I think there was twenty of us in it one year, like, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the year I done um, a back to back one as well. And it's it's you just know everybody there. It's a different buzz altogether. But I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, totally different, but just as enjoyable, you know the way. But I would say you have to do uh, an Ironman brand. Yeah, you have to, be, to. to be fair, like if, you're doing, on a good show. if you're doing your first um, Ironman, like it's a lot of effort for the very first time. Um, yeah. There's no better yeah. place. But I, yeah. I have to say, <laughs> I maybe shouldn't say this, like, but I remember doing my first ultra um, across the Mole Mountains, which was 52 miles. And I was at mile 38. I hadn't seen anybody in a couple of hours. I was going over the hills. And I started cursing the Ironman. I was like, you spoiled brats. Because I had done (laughs) the Ironman the year before. And the buzz of the Ironman of having thousands of people around you in the run and having fuel stops every three miles. And there's always a heartbreak hill somewhere which is aligned with people. And you, you feel like a real superstar when you're doing that race. Yeah, yeah. There's Lots a lot, of, people there's a lot yeah. of energy on course, like all the way around, That's isn't fantastic. it? I done um I done Ironman Wales for my first one it was twenty fourteen and obviously they have a heartbreak hill there. I think it's Saunders what it's called. But honest to God, it's the closest thing you'll get to being a professional athlete. Like the, the people are just like probably 10, 15, 20 people deep and they're, they're right on your shoulder. It's like scenes from the Tour de France. You know, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. Like, yeah. Challenge amazing. Roth has really appealed to me because of that. They have that yeah. famous climb, which is, yeah. which is about yeah. 20 people deep as well. Like. Yeah, um, but yeah. I've, I've never been successful to get into the race somehow. I'm not sure how. You, how, you, but... yeah, how so how did that yeah. go? 2014, your first Ironman in Wales, Tenby, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Wales. It's a tough one. I, I did like when I when I went I went from the run and say, um, and I did do a couple of duathlons first. You know, I wasn't aware of triathlon at this stage. So that was, I think, 2012 was my first triathlon. Um, so it was a short space of time, I suppose. But was it? It was a. Um, a sprint triathlon down here in Dublin, the Dublin City Triathlon. Oh, yeah. Um, so I signed up to that. Yeah, I couldn't swim at a bar. And my dad is a good swimmer, like, and he used to throw us off a period down in Wicklow to swim. But I could <laughs> never, I wouldn't call it swimming. You know, it was like, I don't know, fancy drowning or something. But, like, uh, your first, I your first swim. swim is an absolute nightmare. My Mine is a sprint up in the Belfast Titanic Quarter. Yeah, punched yeah. and kicked and yeah. talk about anxiety. <laughs> oh, I, tell like... you, I, I, I signed up to this one with the goal of getting a lesson or two and doing lots of training. I didn't either, and I ended up there on race day uh, in the water. You wouldn't know the wetsuit. It was the first time even wearing the wetsuit, and I was surprised how buoyant it was. I was oh, this would be grand, like. So I got in at the back, right, and there was still a few minutes to go. And then I turned around, there's another 50 people behind me. And then next of all, the hooter goes, 
I got slapped, swam over, kicked. It was a, a nightmare. So as I said, I couldn't swim at the time. So I don't, I wouldn't even call it a breaststroke. I don't know what it was. It was some form of a stroke that I think it was 750 meters uh, at the time. And I managed to get around anyway, taking lungs full of water. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think I'd have to lift in my lungs that day. But it was it was a great experience. But as soon as I got out of the water then, I was in my element. You know, I, was, I would have been, I'd say I was last out of the water. Honestly, I can't remember anybody being behind me. Literally got pulled out of the water at, at the pontoon but I got on my bike and it was a great feeling then passing people you know, I wouldn't be a cyclist it's at quite, all it's quite exciting too isn't it because all of a sudden it yeah. happens all very very quickly you're in the water yeah, five yeah. minutes ago. Like, now you know before you know it you're sitting on the bike with your head tucked yeah yeah. It, yeah it's quick enough Yeah, and it's, it's a, like the pace is well more so with the run on the bike at, at that stage for me the pace I was going at was like really exciting you know that way and taking over because I was as I said, I came from the football. I was fairly, fairly fit, like you know, and I was able to pass people because they, a lot of the people they doing their force traveling as well. They wouldn't be as as fit as I was then from the, the football and stuff, you know. I, I so, actually um, remember this was funny. Like um, it was a real strong headwind that day for me, and these guys were going past with the zip wheels, like whoa, 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 you know, yeah, flying yeah. by me with no effort. So I actually, yeah. I was that naive. I actually stood up on the bike. To try and get more power into the bike thinking yeah gonna, yeah thinking i was yeah. gonna go faster like making myself twice as big <laughs> taking this headwind on wondering why these guys were drifting by me oh i can re- actually remember my first you on something something like that i was um as i said i was i was all right in the run so i was in the top 10 for the run of this duathlon then when i got on the bike i was like probably 60th you know way back then and um i was cycling along as in this gear and I was grinding away, still going up a slight draft. Some fella shouts out the window, put it in a lighter gear, <laughs> you know, that way, and I had to bring it right down. And I was like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. And then I got going, you know, that way. But, uh, yeah, you learn quickly, brilliant. though. You learn quickly. You do. Ah, you do, yeah. And you kind of need, well, you need those experiences, yeah. don't you, as well, to, to bring you on. Um, similar with lots of with failures, I got lots of them as well in big races. And, and I, and I remember in transition, and I was like, "What are you doing with that baby oil? Like, what are you doing with that talc?" Yeah, 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 yeah. How are you going to get? How are you going to get your shoe? Why are you putting an elastic band on your shoe? Yeah, yeah. You pick up loads. You absolutely do. But th- that was my force. That DCT done the city training was my forced one, and I went from that. Um, I, I did sign up to the Olympic next year, you know, and then I was saying, right, I'll definitely get some swim lessons. Um, but then uh, I didn't. <laughs> so the next year, I still hadn't got the swim lessons. I was doing a bit of training, to be fair, but um, I was very anxious before. I signed up to it and I, sh- I drove over to it, but I was very anxious about doing it. I arrived late and the, um, the, the guards that were watching the... Um, they were basically sending people here and there. They were saying there was no more room in the car park there. So I took that like a, as an excuse to get the hell out of there and drive home, you know, that way, which I did, unfortunately. No. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I wasn't bottled, expecting like, that story to go that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Bottled. But like, again, class it as a failure, learn from it. I got me lessons there probably the next week, I think, because you're not doing that again, you know. And then the next race I signed up for was Ironman Wales in 2014. And you can't show up to Ironman Wales with no, no proper training. Yeah, it's you know a that real, real top bike. It's a sea Absolutely. swim, isn't it? Sea swim and a it's top bike. It's a sea swim. Course. 
Yeah, it's it's well known for the for the bike course. It's it's apparently I think that in Lanzarote. I think this is classed as a tougher one than Lanzarote. Um, but yeah, it's the hardest in, in Europe apparently. We've got some nice weather in Lanzarote, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, funnily enough, in Wales, um, we are we myself, my training partner uh, at the time, Trev, and our two wives. Me, my, me and my wife, we met in school, and um, another Trev's wife was in our class as well. You know, so we're close friends. We all travelled over, made a weekend of it. You know, so we got there on the Friday, and it was a bit overcast. You know, and there's a like, yeah, probably rain tomorrow. But the next day, the sun was splitting the trees, and we had great weather. We had a great day. Everything about it just went our way, you know, the way. But then the day after, woke up and it was abysmal outside so we are like imagine if you know we hadn't been doing the race today we probably wouldn't have finished you know because the weather was that bad like um see, see really strong winds really heavy rain yeah. just awful awful see, weather for those that don't know what what are the distances then in each of the sport disciplines so if you're talking a sprint you're talking a 750 meter swim um it's a 20k bike and then a 5k run um, sounds easy enough, but if you you know if you well it, it, it's handy you want to do, but if you're racing it, that's tough, you know that way. Similarly with the Olympic, that's a one and a half k swim. Um, it's then a forty k bike and a ten k run. Um, again, tough if you're racing it, you know. Um, and then you have a half iron, and the half is um, I think it's one point nine k swim. Um, the bike is 90k, and then the run is a half marathon, which is what 21k. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the big one, the pinnacle, is your Ironman race or your Iron Distance race, if you want to get technical. And you're talking then a 3.8k swim, um, a 180k bike, and then the full marathon, which is 42k. So that was Ironman Wales. And it is, uh, it is nice when you're telling people, like and Ironman do like telling people as well. And yeah, oh, yeah, and then you don't say forty-two k run. You say and then you run a marathon. <laughs> and then a marathon, absolutely. You have to bring yeah. it across that way because people yeah, can relate. So you to want to get that. And then you run a marathon, like cause... yeah, yeah. Anybody here done the Dublin marathon? Yeah, you do that after all your swimming. Your point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the um. So what was yeah, that experience like, like? What was it? What was the Welsh experience like for you? Oh man, it was just like such such a euphoric feeling at the at the at the um, the finish line. I actually remember like that. The, even the run in Ironman Wales is very tough because it's mm-hmm. soon as you're out the gate, it's right uphill for five k though, and then it's a five k back down. So I got off the bike and um, like as I said, I wouldn't be a strong um, cyclist by any stretch of the, the imagination. And this is a tough tough bike you know um so it's it's two loops you hit the heartbreak hill twice as well so it's a disaster on the legs so i got off the bike and i just had to walk i was i was flat i was flat and i seen uh, miriam and sue in the crowd there tembi is just we talk about that in a sec the, the atmosphere in tembi on the run is just there's nothing like it it's amazing but i seen miriam and sue and i just felt like crap and i was just shaking the head looking at me and says this isn't going to happen you know that way but like I had, I had a couple of bad experiences in races before, 
where it's like, okay, at least hang on in here for another while and see how it goes, you know? And we were talking about experience earlier on. You do pick up those experience from yeah. failure. But I had, I had already done all that. And I was like, I'm not doing it again. So I was walking um, and I was trying to throw in little bits of runs, but the legs were just, they weren't, they weren't, um, they weren't helping, you know that way? They weren't having, they weren't playing ball. But I got to the, the turnaround point at the top of the hill. And it's not a steep hill by any stretch, but it's long. Parts of our steep, to be fair, but it's long and it's it's non-stop, you know. It's literally 5k uphill. But I hit the turnaround point and I was like, okay, let's give it another go running. And I just took off and I was like, oh, these are my legs now. Like, you know, this is great. Like, I was flying. I took on a little bit of nutrition. Um, so everything just started coming back to me then. And I ran a lot then. Um, I did walk on... on certain steep parts of the hill just to be more cautious than anything else but i felt great you know that way yeah, i remember have a good bit of learning like oh yeah even on the last lap then there was people and um, they wouldn't have known i was on the last lap running but they were like slow down slow down you know i was absolutely flying like um and then obviously finished i think i finished with uh 12 10 or 12 20 oh, i can't great. remember but for i am well yeah, they say take off an hour, an hour or so. Like, um, but yeah, I was delighted with it. I was delighted with just finishing after how I felt getting off the bike. I, I, like at that stage, my first time, man, you don't give a shit about the times. Yeah. You're just worried about finishing and you know not my, looking like a tool. <laughs> my my arm man was in Zurich in Switzerland, like so. Um, it actually was a non wetsuit swim. I picked it mm. because it was a lake swim and yeah yeah but at the very end when i was in the race so i thought right i'm gonna do this around 8 30s because it's totally flat four loops thousands of people loads of fuel stops and as i ran you could see all these like i'm gonna say proper athletes <laughs> who looked like phenomenal olympians like um but yeah. they were just cowping left right and set center because it was like 36 38 degrees mm -hmm. really warm. what was that word what was that word you were what um, you, conking, is that what you said? Cowping, I said. <laughs> What's that? I didn't hear. I don't understand that word. They cowped. So, same as bonk, bonk I suppose. When somebody cowps. You can cope if you've had too many beers. You know, that sort of way. So <laughs> they're lying at the side of the, the road anyway. And all I thought right. to myself was, Jesus, like, I've gone through all of this. Everybody knows I'm doing it. So I just went yeah. straight to a walk run. And it's yeah, just about yeah. getting to the finish line. And I didn't even care yeah. about my time. I was like, absolutely. my kids yeah. are waiting for me at the finish line. You know, I don't want yeah, to disappoint absolutely. them. That's um, what I thought. Yeah, that's all you should be really worried about. I'm training a guy now for uh, Ironman and he's picking cork for his fourth one, which is, it's a tough one, obviously, yeah. you know, that the weather could be, could go against you dramatically. The, the, the hill itself, two loops on it. It's just it doesn't sound like a, a good one for your force and similarly to Ironman Wales. But there's no travel in it for him, you know that way he just has to drive down it's and very like, it's like, a very exposed part of the country, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 local enough, yeah. you know that way. For us we had to get the ferry and, and all this kind of stuff and like he could throw his bike on the back of the car and, and be there like in a couple of hours, you know. So that's why he picked that one. But, um, yeah, your first one, so I'm saying to him, though, like, forget about that. Your first one is just about finishing. And he's he's, he's mad about, you know, pushing the training and all this. So I'm like, you know, slow down. Let's just 
build a base here, like all a force and all a force was about was finishing and try to enjoy it, like you know that way. I went in with a, an eleven and a half hours in my head. That's what I was ready for. I finished in yeah. thirteen and a half hours. It was a non wetsuit swim. Yeah. It was like thir- and the Heartbreak Hill, you know it's bad when some guys they had water canisters. So when you're going slowly up the hill, they followed you up the hill with this canister on top of you, pouring water. Um, right. But it's an amazing day. Like, you know, it, yeah. you can't let the time sort of destroy that. Like, the fight was still as tough, if not tougher. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you're crossing the line, you're getting that same finish line as yours. You get the same T-shirt, the same medal. Mm-hmm. You can improve on that there and on the next one. But definitely for your force, yeah, you should be just... It, like- focusing on getting over the line and taking the learning the, from it as well because you there's a lot going to come at you that you're not aware of yeah you're not going to get it all right for your force i think does. i the first 30 miles of that race uh, my foot had cramped because it was a non-wetsuit swim so for the first 30 miles i had to have my feet outside the shoes i could really yeah i couldn't put them in they were just cramping and my foot just kept oh. on cramping cramping um, and what was the, was it because the water was cold? Is that what you mean? No, it was a non wetsuit swim. Um, there's a bit of a longer story though. I had a car accident. I, I hadn't done that much swimming, so I bought this yeah. phenomenal wetsuit, three hundred and fifty yeah. quid. Um, it was like a Batman suit. This thing was awesome. All you had to do was move <laughs> your arms. Um, so I didn't actually use my legs that much when I was in training and things like that. So when it was a non wetsuit swim, you know, I was thrashing my legs like. Right, 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 right. Calf, the last like quarter of the swim, my legs were cramping, my calves were cramping, and things like that because they weren't strong enough, yeah. to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was so relying on this wetsuit, like. Yeah, but yeah. Do you know, when I came out of the water, I was delighted that I had done that swim with no wetsuit. And uh, what was it? Not a, was it not allowed wetsuit because of the the water temperature? There was a heat wave that week. Right. Yeah, yeah. The water temperature hit twenty six degrees. I think it has to be over twenty six degrees. And it was mm-hmm. funny, the evening before the Ironman, we got a message sent out um, that wetsuits were prohibited. And I turned to my wife and said, what does prohibited mean? <laughs> I saw it on you, but I just wanted to make sure. Uh, took out the phone, Googled it. I was like, shit. <laughs> but you, you can't let any of that into your head, you know. And it's quite surprising. When you got it, got in, I wasn't a great swimmer. Like I taught myself how to swim. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, well, I can swim to one boy to the next. But yeah. actually, when you get into your rhythm, you know, it, yeah. was, it was pretty cool, like in um, Lake Zurich. Yeah, I think with the, with the swim, it's more about relaxing, isn't it? You, yeah. Like, if you're relaxing and control your breathing, you'll actually probably move faster as well. Like, that thrashing in the water, that's actually going to create more drag and slow you down, you know? So, it, swimming is a bit different to you. And sometimes less effort, you know, moves you a bit faster. I actually remember in a sprint triathlon, um, this guy was swimming next to me. I couldn't believe how fast he was going. And we were coming into the last few hundred meters. You know, I looked, and I mean, I was going really slow. I always paced myself. Um, <laughs> he was still with me. And you'd think he was going about four times quicker than me. But he yeah. was he was with yeah. me the whole way. And I was just gliding. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've um, yeah. I always come to my, I always say, you know, the slower I go, the faster I actually go. Yeah. If that makes any yeah. sense. Swim slow to swim fast. That's the saying, yeah. Mm, so yeah. So after Ironman Wales, then, um, so you had a good baptism of fire by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, threw myself in the deep end. Um, like uh, we are talking there about some um, 
using uh, negative experience or net failures and stuff to you know help help you grow and and, and improve Men- mentally you know i think once you go over a certain distance it's all mental strength you know that yeah. way um so i think it was was it yeah i had done that and then i signed up to we talked about challenge there there was a challenge race you know challenge galway that was 2015 and um yeah i entered into that and actually, sorry, even, even before that, sorry, you were done the, right, we were talking about the race earlier. It's up in Donegal, it's called their race. You haven't heard of that one, have you? Yeah, not? I have heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's a beast of a race there, you know. So going back a bit, sorry, I done that in 2014 before Ironman Wales, right? So I think Ironman Wales was September and I had done, um, attempted the race in, I was end of February, start, it was end of February that year, actually, because later years they had to move it from February down into April, I think, because the weather is just ridiculous. Like, I was running up on Muckish Mountain and the snow was up to me bloody hips at some stage, you know, and the wind and rain was horrendous. But anyway, I had a, I, I went into that race um, and I was like a newbie, you know, absolutely no experience, but I was fairly fit, as we were saying earlier. So I started to have a go at it and it was, there was no swimming, you know. So um, the run, I'd be, I'd be confident that I could run you know, slowly for a long time at, the, at this stage. So it starts with a half marathon and then a 15K kayak, and then you're on the bike for 100K. But this is Donegal, which you're probably familiar with. It's not like 100K down in Dublin. So that caught me majorly up there. But I got through it anyway, up and down Muckish, and then back on the bike again for my second. And I think the second cycle is like 75K. And I think I was 20k into it, and I had you know the DI2 sets on the yeah. on the bikes, and it came off. The battery came off, and the cable snapped away. So I was stuck in a gear, and I couldn't manually move it either. So <clears throat> I had another. I just kept going. I tried to keep going, but I was, I was mentally fairly weak at this at this stage, you know. But um, so I, I dropped out, and it was probably the worst thing. I probably should have like looking back at it now. I could have even walked to the finish, you know, that way, and I still probably would have finished quicker than being in the in the, the van that picked me up because the van that picked me up was the the van that follows the last person you know that way and i like so it was the like sweeper. i was waiting like i think four hours for him you know the way i could have probably yeah, finished yeah. the last 20k on feet like and i was fucking freezing there waiting on them you know the way it was an absolute disaster but um but tried it again next year yeah like i, I would have finished it because i think it was a marathon then after that um, in the mountains, but uh, not an easy marathon. But I, I was confident enough I would have uh, done it. But the next year, then I was fairly confident that I, I'd walk it, you know, go through it. So obviously, um, overconfident, and that kicked me in the arse, you know, the way I didn't train as well. I went up expecting to finish it. <clears throat> the, the, to be fair, the weather, as you know, up there was, was fucking a nightmare, you know, excuse the language, an absolute nightmare up there. And it battered me like, and I wasn't, it wasn't the weather. I just wasn't strong enough. You know, I was, wasn't able to um, push through that headwind. It slowed me right down. And I got a touch of hypothermia up there. Like, and they, they asked me, did I want to, like they said, you're probably bordering on hypothermic here. Do you want to continue? And I, I obviously took that as me way out. You know, that way it's like, no, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'm not able, like I'll, I'll leave. I don't want to, get into hypothermia and kill me all this shite, you know the way. Half an hour later I was in a cafe having a cup of tea with me mate. And I was just I was just gutted over it then. I was thinking later on, God, you could have finished that, you know the way? Yeah. But as we said, all learning experiences. 
And that, that story, sorry, takes me to that challenge Galway. So something similar, challenge Galway. Galway. This, this is basically, you know, all mental strength building. Challenge Galway then, I was um, I'm probably the worst um, bike maintenance cyclist in, I won't even say Ireland, probably Europe. I'm just, I have no, <laughs> no kind of um, bike maintenance skill or, or even interest. You know that way? Changing a puncture is like fucking open heart surgery to me. It's just, I, I absolutely <laughs> have no, no clue or, or want to learn. You know that way? I just want to get on the bike and go. And that, that comes back to, I've talked about in a while in Decky uh, UK. But anyway, the, um, yeah, I, I, I was flying over because of the, the, the race, um, the whole debacle with the race where I didn't bother my arse training. This, for this, I absolutely upped my training to no end. I was flying fit on the bike. I probably, you know, could I was flying. I, I, what year was this? 2015. So um, tw- I got out of swim. And Challenge Galway to swim was cut short, I think, by 200 metres that year. Something like that. So I ended up getting, like, I think an hour, about an hour um, for me Ironman swim, which was the lighter, getting nowhere near that in a full-length swim, you know. But anyway, um, <clears throat> onto the bike then, and I was flying. You know, I think I was holding 23k, 24k an hour, and I was, I was comfortable enough, you know. And I got to 65k on the bike and uh, hit a puncture. I was on the front wheel, I suppose, luckily enough. Um, and um, so I changed the tube. <laughs> yeah, when I got, I went there to change the tube. And in Challenge Galway, they had like a, a, a I think it was a half, uh, no, an Olympic distance. And my wife, Miriam, was in, is in trial and in fitness as well. So she um, had done the Olympic one the night before, right? So obviously I had given her a lend of all my kit, you know? So then the next morning, uh, I didn't get it back. So then when I'm changing this this thing, I had no pump when I had, uh, I think, two tubes. Cause I, no, one tube because I'd given the whole the other one. Something like that. So I was very underprepared. Like, I didn't have the right kit. And I wasn't expecting that. I thought I'd get through because I'd go there tires, like these uh, bulletproof tires. Like, I thought I'd get away with it. You know, not really the usual crap. But I didn't check my gear the next morning. I had no pump and one tube. So I stuck the tube in and then I was there. So you before. had two tubes, by the way, just pointing that out. Yeah, I can't remember whether it was one or two, but no, basically meant, I was... Just, um, you might have been the other tube, I'm just saying. Right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, tube slash bell end, you mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, and I tell you, like, so I, I put the tube in and then I had no pump, right? So then I'm asking on the side of the road then, begging for a, a land of a pump. So we're fairly, like... I think that I think the pros started behind us for some reason on this because I remember being up with the pros on the bike and there's no way I would have caught them, you know that way because they were flying by me at this stage and these are these are top lads, um, unless they were just really top lads faster than me and a bit slower in the same way. But anyway, it was, it was a while back I can't really remember. But I was begging for a pump anyway, and um, nobody was forthcoming. Of course, you know that way they had their own race and you can't blame them for that. So it took me honestly about. I'd say 15, 20 minutes to get a pump. And my training partner at this stage actually had gone by as well. No, I had got a pump by then, and then he came along later. He says, yeah, all right. So I had to pump off some guy at this stage. So, no, you fly on there. You fly on. I'm all right, you know. But I got that that tube in. checked the tire for um, anything else that was stuck in it as best as I could, right? Um, 
but remember the worst bike maintenance guy in Ireland at this stage. So <clears throat> carried on down the road. I'd say I got probably 500 meters and again, of course, gone. But they weren't, they weren't, um, you know, full punctures. It was just, you know, a, a soft, like a slow puncture or something. Um, so I know, I know um, more tubes. So I did actually have one tube to say that I was pumping them up, right? So this long story short, this kept going on, repuncturing and it went on uh, six more times. I had to beg for tubes, six different tubes. And I just give a shout out to this guy, Cole Whelan, his name is. Um, he, I think he supplied me with about four of them because he was on the same kind of timeline as me following somebody else, you know what I mean? Poor fucker, he was, he was probably sick of me and I was robbing all his tubes. And uh, like, I know I'm the worst bike maintenance going on, but I had other people change me at this stage and they couldn't find that in the tour, you know what I mean? And it wasn't until the next day I found out it was like a metallic shard. That's why it wasn't fully puncturing. But I'd be, <clears throat> I was pumping the wheel up with that, that pump I got a loan of, and I'd try and get a K or two in, and this kept going on as well, you know, so it was an absolute disaster. So it got to, it came to a head where I was like, I think at 60K left, nobody around, no more tubes. And like, as I said, I had learned from those mental, mental um, those failures and those disasters in the race. And, but I was, I was so mentally tough at this stage, I was like, do you know what? I'm running the 60k with the bike in my bike shoes, and I had, I set off. I was like, this. and I was hoping something else would 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 uh, would uh, would happen that you know maybe I'd get another tube or whatever. But I was like, I'm not waiting around. I'm gone. I'm running 60k now in my head. I'm running 60k helmet, bike shoes, bike in hand. You know that way. And um, so I set off, and about 20 minutes later, a car pulls up beside me, and a guy uh, sticks his head out the window. And uh, luckily enough, he, he owns a bike shop there. And in the back was another guy with his bike. He fell off his bike and he didn't want any more of the race. So he's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. I says, yeah, I'm grand. I'm just, I have a puncture. And he's like, front wheel or back wheel? And I was like, front. He says, do you want his? He's not racing anymore. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Stuck the wheel on, bombs away. I was gone again and, and finished the bike. Like, you know so, I was classic, but the, I swear to God, I ran that whole marathon with the biggest feckin' smile on my face because I knew because I got there, there was, I'm, I'm finishing this, no problem there, you know that way? Because you hadn't given and, up. Yeah, and I was delighted, and I had my, my coach at the time, I got a bit of coaching off, uh, Coach Bjorn Ludic, you know Bjorn Ludic? Troy Coach Bjorn, he's based down in Mallow now, great guy, like, and he had done half, half uh, Ironman that day. And just to know, I think it was the day Ireland were playing France. So I came in just for the second half and every now and then if you get a few minutes, like, you know. But uh, I had also caught, I think I gave Trev, my training partner, about an hour a head start on the run. And I caught him as well, so I was back in the lines, you know what I mean? <laughs> Great day. The weather was amazing back in Galway town. Out on the coast, it was a disaster. But um, just like, I, as I said, I was beaming, you know, that way, smiling, yeah. here to me, delighted. And... and because I could bank that, you know, I could bank that whole um, situation as another kind of. Uh, it may method. not. It may not go to plan. That's what you learn. You know, you can get yeah, very frustrated yeah. when things aren't going to plan. You're starting to lose yeah. your time. All of a sudden, you're an hour behind, and that can consume you and actually yeah. just chew you up and spit you out. But you, but yeah. you learn actually. Shit happens. Like just get on with it. Yeah. I think I like I like that was my second one. So I had planned to do like I wasn't pushing the boat. I think I had planned to do 
under 12. I realistically, I was probably thinking 11 and a half, I think, at this stage. But um, I was giving myself a bit of leeway. I think I was planning for 12.20. I didn't get it. Like I think it was uh, under 12. I think it was around 12.20 again that time. Oh. But like it was my best. Uh, I swear to God, I think I lost an hour or an hour and a half. I, I walked it out on that bike journey. Um, but it was without doubt my best performance and best um, result outside of time-wise, you know. I was just chuffed with it, like, you know, and I, I carried that on into then looking for bigger events then, you know, definitely a, a well, big... You, uh, you definitely done book. that um, in the form of a Decker Ironman. So explain to people what that is. What is a Decker? Yeah, as I said, then um, with that, like, I was, my mental strength was getting bigger and my physical strength was getting bigger and I knew I could do Ironmans. And I'm not the type that like wants to keep doing the same things. I like bigger challenges. I tell you, I like something that I'm not sure I can I can do. Mm-hmm. You know that way. I like that kind of a challenge. That's um, yeah, yeah, can be, can be like. But there was an option to do so quickly. A deck of Ironman is ten Ironmans in ten days. Obviously, we talked earlier what the the, the Ironman is. Your your three point eight k swim, hundred eighty k bike, and a forty two k run. So one of them a day, every day for 10 consecutive days, all in one location. And the thing with this one was, like, it, it's, it's all on loops, and they have to keep you within a kind of 5K radius for safety, health and safety, because people, have you, have you ever read Jerry Duffy's book? Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, Jerry's the man, like, you know. But Jerry, Jerry done his in 2011, uh, went over and won it. Uh, pal of mine who was in my race, um, and Anthony Garandini, TC for fourth, he won the second one, which is 2012. Uh, so that was the only two that were ever done in the UK until 2017, which is the one I was in. Um, so, yeah, Jerry had won 2011, TC had won 20, 2012, and then our one came up in 2017. Yeah, there is a reason why there isn't many of those events, though, like 10 yeah, men yeah. in 10 days, like... The recovery that comes after that. So if you're if you're thinking an Ironman might take you, if you're trying to do one every day, even if it's fourteen or fifteen hours, sixteen hours, because um, you're meant to do it within seventeen hours. Yes. On an ordinary course, um, yeah. but you know you have to sleep, <laughs> you have to recover, yeah. you have to fit all of that in as well. And yeah. That becomes the biggest challenge. Well. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a balancing act there of yeah. finishing with enough time to sleep and eat. Um, and not going too fast where you're putting so much uh, damage on the body, it's hard to recover from, you know that way? So it's finding that um, golden hour, I used to call it, of where to finish within. And for me, that was about 15 to 16 hours. Well, maybe maybe 15. Like 16 was stretching it out a bit more. But if you're in that kind of 15 and a half, you know, you're golden then, I, I, I reckon at the time. Because I was probably... When it got into the later days, I was the only one getting about six hours sleep. You know that way? And that's not including me kind of... Um, I, I'd get a dip in the lake, a massage and food. And so it's not including that. So I was getting about six hours sleep. Some of the guys were getting like an hour, two hours. Stuff that I just couldn't get my head around. You know that way? It was so what, crazy. So why, why a Decker? Because I, I have it in my head to do a double Ironman. Um yeah, like as I said, it was it was something that I wasn't sure I had done. I I had done um, 
Well, I tell you, it kind of goes back to you. There was a, a family bereavement as well, and it was mental health related, you know, that way. And I kind of wanted to raise a bit of um, awareness and funds for Mental Health Ireland over here as well. So there was a bit of that in it. There was a bit of, um, I, I felt I could do a double Ironman. So if I wanted to raise a few quid, I wanted to do something a bit more again, you know. Now, that's, don't get me wrong, a double Ironman, I don't want. And it, it's an absolute disaster as well. That'll kill you as well. <laughs> but I had, I had done one in, I'd done a double Ironman in um, Celtic Warrior, which was Frank, yeah. Frankie, Frankie Wright's one down in uh, uh, Lilliput Adventure Centre. And I'd done that in August 2017. And I had said to myself, if you don't finish this one, uh, you're not going to England. You know that way? So there was only two of us. I think 20 of us done the first, time, the first day and only two of us were got up to do the second day and I was lying there and I was like will I bother you know that way and we had a, a it was like a little hostel down there we had Miriam was up on the top bunk and she's like look get out get out of bed here remember what you said if you don't if you don't get up you're not going to England so I was like out of bed straight away and out the door and it like the four, the, the second day turned out to be a massive challenge because the first day weather was great but the second day was horrendous it was really bad again you know but another great um, tool on the belt, another great building block, you know that way. Mm. But uh, going back to why the deck, there was an opportunity to do five and five days, but because of the circumstances, I was saying that my brother was my brother-in-law who was living with us at the time, and he passed away by suicide. So I wanted to really, really do something to, you know, promote mental health awareness, you know that way. <clears throat> and our family were really, really down at the time because it was only a couple of months thereafter, you know the race was and I really wanted to do something to lift all our spirits as well you know that way and I felt this was it and um, if I had if I could finish this it would you know bring a bit of positivity and it did that in the end but um, I felt I could possibly fi- possibly finish five and five I'm not it wasn't overcoming at all but the 10 just something about it as well yeah. after reading Jerry, well actually do you know what I was saying after reading Jerry Duffy's book if you want to do a decade Ironman, don't mean Jerry Duffy's book because it scares me. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, wait until they're finished. Wait until they're finished. was something in that book, just as you said it there. Um, it, it talked about, I haven't read it now since it came out in 2012, yeah. I think I read it. Um, but he talked about the percentage of people, like there's more people have walked on the moon, I think he said, than have finished really, a yeah. decade Ironman. Yeah. He did, those words yeah. are in that book, aren't they? Yeah, something like that, all right. I think for my one now, see, there was some, like, Aaron was the Torgan in, in the UK, but they're, they're not regular, but there, there's, there's been some in um, Italy, Mexico, and the USA. So when I finished mine, I was the 85th person ever to do okay. one. Something like that, anyway. Um, but that, I think they're going to get bigger and bigger because obviously it's enduring sports are getting more popular and yeah, yeah. people can see that they you know they can do it and other people have done it so why why can't I that kind of thing you know so I think down maybe not a decker but you know the likes of doubles and trebles are getting more popular and that will, will lead to, to deckers and stuff yeah. you know they're, they're definitely possible but I think like the, I'm, people I'm will see worried. I'm getting worried now listening to this I'm feeling another yeah. seed getting planted <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely, like, it is a, a massive physical toll on the body. We are talking about the golden hour there, managing managing that. Like, so that's the physical side of it. But I think that's only about ten percent. If even like you know managing that side of it, the rest is mental. Like, 
you know you can do a single day, you know the way, but what happens when, I tell you a story, when I was in my seventh day, um, I had taken, um, basically on my one, it's an out-and-back run, right? Sorry, um, this is a bit, of, a bit of a story, I just want to tell you, out-and-back on tarmac. So on the seventh day, I had obviously done six marathons on this, and the accumulation on the legs was just, oh, my God. So I was all right on the bike on day seven. Like, I was getting kind of hip pain and knee pain, but it was lateral. So I, I was just saying me, me uh, TFL, me, um, you know, the side of your leg, your tensor fasciae latte. I thought that was just tightening up, and maybe that's all it was. But as soon as I started that run, um, I knew there was a problem there, you know that way? And then when I got halfway through the seventh marathon, I was like, I'm banjoed here, you know that way? So, I, I, but like I had built up, you were talking about mental strength, I was like, okay, I'll have to walk it, you know that way? But then I'd say three quarters of the way through it, I was on my knees, on the floor, in the grass. I was just, I thought I was finished, you know that way? I was like on the phone to Miriam, like, I think, God, you know. Now I rang her with the intention of getting a boost and getting a kick up the arse, because I don't think, like, I don't think I was going to ever finish or ever stop you know that way yeah. um but i did know i needed some kind of strategy or something to get me out of grass off my knees so i rang miriam and uh, I, I got the earful and what i needed to hear you know that way um and she was telling me like nick was our brother my brother-in-law whole brother he'd be proud of me and, and this kind of stuff so up out of grass go again and, and and managed to finish that night and then um where was I going with that one? Uh, basically, day eight, the, the nine, mind, and ten. The mind is a wonderful thing, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, know, that's what we were talking about—the mental side of it. It's it's, it's literally ninety percent, ninety percent of that event mm. is mental. It's a mental challenge, and you have to go in prepared. Like, no, once you go in known, you're going to be in that situation I was talking about. You're going to want to be pulling out and just giving yourself a chance and that kind of stuff. It really helps, you know. And having little strategies like that. Uh, having people to ring, having a crew to, to lean on, that kind of stuff, you know, a lot of it is mental. A, a lot of the longer endurance events and my experiences as well, like, you know, the crew is so important. And like I have, yeah. I talked in the podcast that I I'd done on the CCC race. Um, like I phoned my wife up at one o'clock in the morning tell her the race was over. My T yeah. band's gone. I've got two more climbs. I goes, I'm not going to finish this. Like, she goes, well, you can't yeah. give up. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, strap yeah. it up and keep going. Yeah, yeah. And then she left, and I was like, "Right, <laughs> the phone right, so. one o'clock in the morning." Keep going here. Um, but it was just a kick you need. But in the same, the same vein, I don't think I would have given up. Um, but if yeah. she said the wrong words to me, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. She can yes. come back. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's so yeah. important. So it's having those right people, having and knowing that they're the right people to call, and that's exactly what goes for you. You don't. You don't even think about it. You just know at the time who to ring, you know, that way. But I think you're, but, pre- uh, and you're, you're pretty early on in your own sort of journey as well that like, you can tell that that point has stuck out for you yeah. in that event. Yeah. And then yeah. you actually don't need to phone your wife next time. You just go back to that experience. And that's yeah, what gets absolutely. you through it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that's like like I, I i remember even at that time so i rang miriam and then i was thinking about the, the, the race where i was booking and i was like how how um disappointed i was in myself after um pulling out you know the way when half an hour later i was having the yeah. chats and a cup of tea in a cafe 
and I knew I just took the easy way out. So I like and how crap I felt because I done that. You, you, I think these all, all these experiences really add to your kind of um, the, 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 the golden nuggets almost in your journey. You know that way. Well, you touched on there. I just quickly you touched on the crew there. The crew I had with me as well. I had at any one time I had two people, um, and I think I had a total of ten people. You know that way. So it was me. Well, actually, my sister Paula stayed for the duration. She was only meant to be there for the first two days, but she was getting into it as well. You know that way. She was getting the buzz, so she rang her job and was granted um, a bit more leave, so she was able it's a lot to stay. Of good energy, these things, like isn't it? It's a, yeah, real, it's a very yeah. real thing. You know, the energy. The guys beside me, you know, yeah, there was, there was obviously only Irish guy, but there was a Scottish guy beside me. And we really bonded, you know, that way. And his brother really bonded with him as well. But that, the, I think it was harder on, um, so there was, uh, Martin was in the race and Derek was the, the crew. But Derek was there from start to finish on his own with no help, you know, that way. And I think that the, the whole thing was harder on Derek, you know, that way. <laughs> But uh, I was it is, lucky. It is, in that. it is tough on the crew, like it definitely. Oh is, like... man, like I, I, and I was very aware of that. Like you know, and I think, um, I think I, I needed to be because they would have stayed up all day and all night if I hadn't told them to go and and, and get sleep and get food and all this kind of stuff. And it, it, it like, that obviously helped me then later on. I mean, not them helped me like that they were able to get into so, and stuff. You know? When you got back in after the seventh events, you've still got three Ironmen to do in three days. Yeah. Like what was it like yeah. on the eighth morning waking up? And like I yeah, it was it was tough, you know that way, but like that lake, I think that definitely some magical powers, uh, magical healing powers in that lake. It was it was freezing, by the way. You know, it was some of them. I, I can't remember the tempo. Like some of the times, I couldn't feel my hands and feet. You know that way. I can't remember what temperature it was. But it was very cold. But as soon every day, as soon as I got out of that lake, now I was getting in the lake every night. But I think on day seven, I was so um, far behind me me golden hour say i think that was the only night i think i went into the 17s i just i think it was 1702 something like that it was the only night i just wanted to crawl up into bed and i still had my gear on me you know that way but the next morning then i got the benefits of just being in the lake by being in the swim you know that way so i done the swim got out and i felt pretty good you know that way um but there was still it was still always in the back of my mind okay i was cycling and Obviously, you're not getting the pounding on the body that you do on the run when you're on the bike. So I was like, I was still anxious, you know, that way I was anxious and I was worried about, okay, as soon as I get on this run, is my legs going to crumble and I'm going to collapse again? That kind of thing was was on my mind all day, like from morning to, till, uh, I think I usually started to run around 4 p.m. And that's all I could think of, you know, that way. So then I start when it, it happens start. very quickly, like doesn't it? You know, when your knees go or pains yeah. inside your legs or straight up, it can just yeah. take you out straight away. Yeah. So like I did kind of come up with the strategy of there was an option to run on the grass verge. So I took it this day, obviously, you know, day eight. Um, so I was running on the grass and then you'd be you come to asphalt, uh, asphalt. And I, it was only like probably 20 meters and then you're back on the grass, but I walked on the asphalt. You know that way, and then you come to an asphalt bridge. So there was six little humpback bridges. They weren't steep, obviously, in, in the first few days, but of course, seven, eight days <laughs> in, you're like, "Where's me hiking poles?" You know that way. But uh, you weren't allowed hiking poles either, by the way. But anyway, um, so I'd walk up 
and over and then hit the grass fade and run again. You know that way? So I was making sure I was getting little um, it's regular getting, it's walks. It's getting into a little process, isn't it? Rather than yeah, just yeah, breaking it down. Yeah. yeah, breaking it down. And I was listening to your pal's um, podcast, Bobby Irvine, and he was mentioning oh, the, the the distances were shown in the tunnel. And that's going to be great for me. You know, that way. I'm glad I listened to that podcast. I, I just found I was doing a bit of research on it. I have been, but that was the first time I came across anybody doing a podcast on it or any kind of videos. I found one YouTube video, but there's not much out there about it. You know what I mean? But um, he mentioned then every now and then it it does 100 meters marked or 200 meters marked or whatever. But it was similar in in the lake. Um, Basically, the run is down the center of a man-made lake. I said earlier I was in Eaton Dorney and it's where they've done the Olympics uh, for, uh, maybe I didn't, I can't remember. It's where they done the Olympics in 2012 for kayaking and rowing. So obviously every um, couple of hundred meters is marked with a big board for the rowers. You know that way. So I was using that as well. So okay, maybe if I just have only 1,200 meters left, I'll do it. I'll try and run that and, and all this kind of stuff. But and so it was very helpful. You know that way outside of the, using the bridges, having those markers was, was helpful as well. You know. So you but, were um, you were in first place on day eight. Yeah, I tell you, it's, it's funny. Day one, right? Oh, I was, we go back to the bike maintenance. What an absolute twat I am with a bike. But um, I had got me bike service and everything. I've done all. I've done all what I thought. I've done all the right stuff, you know. Got. Um, I think I got new spokes on the front one because I had um, have these uh, bladed spokes, you know that way. And I think one of them went a couple of weeks before, so I had got that whole rim or that whole um, wheel changed out, you know that way. Um, so a whole new set of um, spokes on the front wheel, and the back wheel seemed okay, you know that way. But of course, day one, um, lap one, probably hundred meters, you know, four hundred meters, I got a puncture. I was like, no, it wasn't actually. It was it was it was the first lap at the far end, and I'll tell you now how I remember. It was the far end, basically, right? And it was on this. I think it was actually on the second lap. And I had done my first lap. And so I got a puncture and I just completely panicked, right? So think of this, right? So it's an out and back on the bike. And I punctured probably 100 metres from the, the, the time as well. So you have to go over the, um, the, the, the thing that makes it chippy, probably the, yeah, the, the timing lap. Sorry. Yeah. And it would have been only 100 metres if he even away from me. So I panicked with me. I Again, no gear with me for whatever reason. It's because you're so close to the... The headquarters, you do think oh, I'll be all right, you know, that way. Absolute gobshite. I had nothing with me, like, and it was, I, I just wanted to get the first few laps done anyway. Um, I had a strategy of going in after every five laps, so I said, I'll knock these out and see how it goes. But I had no gear to change the puncture, so I panicked and I started running back the other way with my bike when I could have ran up to the 100 meters and got clocked this lap, you know, that way. So basically, I robbed myself of a lap. And looked like an absolute flute in front of all the other competitors. <coughs> yeah, so I ran back down. Oh, one of the guys stopped with your Ulster. That's what we were talking about. The kind of camaraderie is, is, mm. is everyone stopped and asked me, was I all right in this fight? You know, uh, I think 16, 14 guys, 16 guys, 14 guys. And um, Graham Smedley was, is a top Ulster athlete, one of the guys, all the gear, looked to business. You know what I mean? Great guy as well. And, um, stopped and gave me this canister, um, which I'd never used before. So it's okay, I'll have a go at it. And I hit the spray one and just 
foam went everywhere. I was like, what the, what am I doing here? <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was covered in foam now. So, I mean, hand was freezing. Whatever's in it is absolutely ice cold. So I just ran back. As anyone that asked me, I was like, oh, I'm grand, I'm grand, I'm okay, I'm just here now. So um, got, I had a second bike in, you know, that was, you know, with these events you're allowed to have extra equipment but this thing this bike is like before spike uh the amount of gears on i can't remember how many gears on it but it's basically a hunk of junk you know that way um a joint defy one of the first one one of the god what was it joint defy i can't remember anyway it's an old bike and um so i was on that then and we're in you know two minutes me back was in bits because i don't know i training on the other bike you know and it's, it's just a banger. But um, you saw I had to do that whole iron man on that piece of crap. What happened was the, the spokes had broken on the back wheel and punctured the tube, gone right through the tube and uh, pierced it, you know. So it wasn't a quick fix. It wasn't a puncture fix. The whole um, wheel had to be, the spokes on the wheel had to be fixed. I think a few of them broke. But um, so that bike was our commission then for day one and day two. So I'd done the whole two iron mans. Forty one man's on a piece of shit joint to fly, you know what I mean? It's a funny thing though, isn't it? Like, we buy all these bikes and we really don't have a clue, and there's nobody really shows you. I remember I got my first puncher, and it was uh, a nip. Um, But when I went to pump the tire up again, you know, I actually googled then how much psi should be in this. I didn't even know that it was on the tire. How much psi? And I had been riding the bike for four months with about forty psi in the tires. And I thought that's, oh, right. that's how that's how I received the bike. Oh, that's why I'm going so slow. Yeah. All of a sudden, it was saying 120, and I was like, it couldn't be 120 psi. Like I had this wee hand pump, and I was trying to pump like 40 into it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Took the bike home then and pumped it up to like 115 psi. Boom! This thing was a flying machine then. All yeah, of a sudden, yeah, so about yeah, yeah. three months, and I was up to. I was pretty ambitious. Like I was up to um, 100 mile cycles, so I was doing this 100 mile cycles in like 40 psi in the tires. Nice. <laughs> Nobody's here. The only difference is I'm going to edit that bit out, and I'm not going to edit your bit out. Why not take the So how was it in the last the last two days then? I look, just I, I, on day one, because of that, right, I, I finished last. Uh, just to answer your original, I went off in a bit of a tandem there. I finished last on day one. Um, and there was literally, I think, one and a half minutes between my time on day one and my time on day two. So this was a strategy, go easy. And I finished mid-table on day two. So I don't know if that suggests I was doing well strategy or the lads had just gone gun-ho, you know what I mean? made the balls of it. Probably the latter, to be honest, if I'm being honest. Um, and then on day three, I won. Day four, I won. Day five, I won by a mile. Oh. And then it just kind of took off. Now, day seven, I had that disaster. And then on day eight, I was, I was anxious about the run, but we got going then. I was like running on eggshells for most of it. I'm not going to be honest, but we still managed to win day eight, nine, and 10, you know that way. So even day nine, I was still a little bit anxious, but a lot more confident, you know, so, how much I could push. Tell me about day 10 then, because normally there's a mind shift that goes that goes on. Yeah. Oh, oh you, huge, man. Did you feel that? Did you go through that? Did your body massively. sort of let well, you go? Massively. I kind of felt it. I kind of felt it on day eight for a different reason. And then I'll explain uh, day 10. But day eight, I hadn't seen the kids and uh, Miriam. Okay. 
since I left, and I left, I think, two days previous. Well, I hadn't seen them in about 10 days by this by day eight, you know. And they came over, and like I've, I almost forgot they were coming, or I can't remember, but they were just there all of a sudden, you know, that way I had done a lap and came back. I was like, oh shit, there's the kids, like, and there's Miriam, you know, that way. And the reception I got at the turnaround point from all the competitors um families the uh, the the crew who are running the race Claire Smith Jim Page um three other guys um Matt Justin and who else was there but the the reception I got from them Graham Smedley's wife and all they were hooling and hollering because my family were there for me and they knew that's all I was waiting on you know what I mean? and I, I I got a little bit teary eyed under the Oakleys um, but uh, it was just the boost I got from that was unreal and I I had a quick chat I was like right lads I'm in a race here and I rocket it off you know that way and I felt you know I felt a million million bucks like it was class like I got such a lift and then similarly then on day 10 because you, you, there is that little bit of anxiety every day because you know yeah. I can't really let loose here because of the group and it in the morning again and you're obviously trying to keep that golden hour you know that 15 to 16 bracket like I think some of them were um, low 14s as well I think day 5 was a low 14 if I, it was a good day you know that way that was the, the change around in times I think Graham was like leading the overall race on day three or day four because of his first few days and then I took over on day five something like that the overall lead I was winning day three day four and then took overall on day five something like that anyway but I put like I think two hours or something on on the leaders by then you know what I mean? but at uh, day 10 I could let go where and, and I was in the mindset of like right I'm gonna I'm gonna you know finish strong here and it looked like some of the guys were like happy to finish so they were taking longer breaks but that like I seen the guys go in I was like okay how many laps can I put on him while he's having that break you know that way so I was rocking around and it was by by far I can't remember the times but it was my fastest day especially the bike like yeah um, the, I think my bike was faster by an hour something like that like you know it's strange that like and you read that through all these long endurance books like Dean Carnazes and things like that you know and you push your body so far that you actually go past yeah. it and your body gets stronger. Jerry yeah. Duffy's first book, you know, when, they, when they're when they doing the marathon in every county, yeah. you know, when they got to mile 22, oh, sorry, marathon 22, 23, started running PBs and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And there's some sort of crossover whether, well, it is obviously mental, there's no doubt about it. Like, you know, you're, yeah. you're starting to reach your true potential, like and all the fears yeah. going out of you and your body, your mind's letting your body meet its potential. That's yeah, a beautiful absolutely. thing. Like it's a beautiful thing to actually push yourself that far that you can get into yeah. that place. It's definitely something I, I I learned doing this that I'm going to use for future events. Like you know, you definitely need to go prepared, but with something like that, you you definitely get stronger as you go on. I think I think there's a I remember reading up about it as well, and there's like a you know a turning point where your body is just like oh yeah okay this is what's happening now so this is me new new thing that i have to do every day you know the way so i'm going to comply i'm going to you know i'm joining the team i mean right so the body's like switches on to what's happening every day and it it just gets easier then you know the way so i definitely learned that and i'm going to use that now and in, in future events like hopefully so what did you do for recovery that's that's 
the biggest to me that's going to be the biggest Jordan. challenge yeah so Jordan, in the evening times what did you do yeah we had like we we had it was like a military operation as i said about my my career like i believe 100 i won that because i had the best crew not because i was the best athlete i definitely grew stronger physically and mentally over it but i definitely had the best crew and so it was especially there was there was a Day five, I had a brother, Kevin, he's an osteopath, and his wife, Linda, come over, and Linda is mad competitive, you know that way? So she was like, it was like um, Formula One-style pit stops. I mean, our strategy was just improving every day. So, for instance, day one, I was getting off the bike and going in and, and eating. By day five, where Linda was there, I was like, I was driving by, she was throwing stuff at me, and I wasn't allowed to stop, and I had to eat, and she was filling cups of food, and I was drinking food and all this kind of stuff it was brilliant you know but um so similarly with the recovery i'd get off the bike we'd go straight and um, the finishing line was by the hq uh, race organizers hq it was literally military like i'd have to stop somebody take off my chip continue on walking straight down to the uh the um the lakeside which is about 100 not even 100 meters from the finish line i'd stand there somebody would zip down me wetsuit somebody would take it off the arms then i'd sit in the chair then they'd pull off the wetsuit through the legs my flip-flops would be there for me to step into and then step into the lake it was just precision you know that way so up to the hips <clears throat> with the legs I, I wouldn't dare go on there you know with the body the shock would probably kill me at this stage but i'd stand there for about 10 minutes uh, into the camper van, drive back to the the uh, campsite where we are staying. Um, there's a toilet block there. Then the table would be set up for a quick massage. Pajamas would be in the shower block. Put them on. Woolly hat. Bed would be made. Me, me uh, hot water bottles would be in me sleeping bag, and I climb in, go to sleep. Up next morning, breakfast would be ready. It was just. It was perfect, you know that way. You need to write a, you need to write a book now, so you got the flip side, <laughs> Jerry Duffy's torture. <laughs> I tell you, I, I, I started writing that book the week after I came home, and it's like it, it all that side of it is finished, but there's so much more with the mental health side of it, yeah. um, the the nutrition side of it. I from I I pretty much finished it, like, but it's at editing stage with somebody else, you know that way. Mm. But, oh God, it, there's so much in it. There's so much work that goes into it, far more than I ever imagined, you know, that way. Um, and it feels like it'll never be done. I know it will, but there's so, still what, so much work. What was your done. biggest lesson? Like, if you were going to go and do the Decker again, or if you had to relive that, what was what was your biggest mistake? Oh, mistake. Um, oh, mistake, mistake. I thought we'd done well strategy-wise. I tell you, like if if I I tried to do something again there last year, right? I tried to do a world record. I think I went in with um, no expectations on the decade, so I was like, like no, I wasn't. Um, I didn't know if I could finish. I wasn't overly you nothing, confident. You had nothing but, to lose. You had nothing. Yeah, to lose. that kind of thing. Yeah. That kind of thing. Whereas I tried this world record last year. And I think I let a little bit of ego sink in, you know, that way. Whereas, like, I remember talking to Miriam one day, it's like, um, I think we are on the way down to her or something. And I was like, you know, we, we could have a world record here. This could be something huge, you know, that way. Now, I wasn't arrogant and I wasn't overconfident, but 
I think there was definitely a little bit of uh, what's the word um, set in, bit of um, complacency set in. You know that way? Maybe. Not to that extent, but getting there, yeah. Mm. I, like I didn't think I was going to do it. Like I didn't think it was in the back, or anything like that. But things started to slip. Training, so maybe I thought I'd grow into it. So I didn't train as enough, mm. enough. You know that way. I do think because um, I did hear a bit of your story today as I was running over the mountains um, and I listened to the end of that so the world record attempt was 60 Ironman in 60 days I know we sort of jumped yeah. forward a little bit there's a little yeah. piece in between there um, yeah. but I sort of resonated with it slightly whereas I've gone into some of these bigger races and because of the suffering that I've been through in races <laughs> and learned yeah. so much my yeah. mental strength is far stronger than it's ever been yeah. Um, which yeah. meant my training has been less than it had ever been. And I fell into yeah, that trap. Yeah. There's almost a trap I think there. That's, yeah, that's um, exactly what I'm trying to say, I think. Um, so for the Deco one, there was definitely, you know, I trained, like I actually even done, I think it was six Ironmans in six days leading up to that. Now, your training rides, like I swam in a pool, came home, had food, all this kind of stuff. And then actually done a 200K uh, bike ride um, stuff like that, you know what I mean? I've done, I've done a lot of training. Like I think I've done a week of half Ironmans and a week of full Ironmans two months later, or something like that. And I was consistent. I was, you know, I was um, really on. You know, I was really switched on. Whereas with the world record attempt, um, I thought that would still be there, kind of thing. You know, and as you said, the mental strength would be there to grow into it. So, yeah, what I'm trying to say is what I'd learned was don't let the ego kind of you know set in too much and and don't go over too much expectations train a lot you will go hour, into 60 hour men in 60 days though it's a it's a world yeah. record for a reason like ah, nobody's like, ever done that um, yeah you got it's, it you, you got was it nine was it six i got nine, nine. yeah I, like like and that sounds like i had done the 10 i remember when i finished the 10 i was up i think what was it seven o'clock the next morning having a cup of tea and I was like, right lads, you know, we would go again messing, you know, but I felt great. You know that way, I did, like I felt I could go again and that's what planted the seed, you know that way. Now, and, and then I was thinking, will I do 20 or will I do 30 or will that be kind of almost a waste of the effort? Maybe that'll be easy and I could have gone on again. You know, that kind of thing. Because you also um, had, in between that, you also had the Iron Cowboy who done 50 Ironmen in 50 counties in 50 days. Yeah, um, yeah. So all of that does sort of play into it slightly because his yeah. journey was that you know it struggled and then like come the sixteen hour man he's getting stronger and you'd felt yeah. a sense of that and at the end of yeah. your decker you were stronger yeah. and all of that absolutely all that builds that picture up in your mind doesn't it absolutely spot on and there was a thing with his one as well um like the, the official hour man record is forty one right. So he got a bit of flack for his because they were in swimming pools yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So they don't count, right? I think what I think what went against him was he still called the Mornmans thereafter and was kind of bullish about it. You know that way? Like maybe the, I don't know. Maybe there's a bit of ego about it, and it seemed like it was taken away from the guy who did do forty one. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And anyone who kind of. Took away from anyone who had done 30 Ironmans in 30 days because he was, I think he was on an elliptical trainer after 18 days or something. But if he had just said, I don't know if this is going off track, but I don't know if he, he had just said an endurance challenge, it still hold that kind of 
awe-inspiring thing. Mm. You know that way? Because we're fucking amazing. Like, you know that way? But anyway, probably going off a bit, track, a bit of track there. But, his, like, his, his is still seen as 52 Ironmans in 50, 50 Ironmans in 50 days, okay? So my, my thinking was, geez, if, if I aim for 60 and I get 51, fucking brilliant, you know that way? Or if I get 42, sorry, not, I wasn't even thinking of his one. I was thinking more of the official one. Okay. So if I aim for the, kind of, if you aim for the star and you land on the moon, kind of thing, you know that old saying. Um, so it was kind of overshoot, you know that way, with the, yeah. with the hope of, Falling short, not with the hope of falling short, but well, if you know, I did fall short. You know short, when you go into endurance races, like if you've got 60 miles to go uh, to race, you know, 50 miles is great in the last time, 10 miles of hell. But if you're racing 80 yeah. miles on the same course, 60 miles is easy. It's still yeah, the last yeah, 10 yeah. miles that is hell. So it's really 100%. that concept, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you know what? I was only thinking of that earlier. I don't know why that popped into my head. I was thinking of the two, when I'm running, you know, your, your, your head switches into what's coming up and I was thinking about the 200 thing. And I remember it was about, I don't know, 100 miles before on a looped track as well. And I remember I wasn't too bad, but I was knackered after 100 miles. And you know, that thing creeps into your head. Okay, if I'm knackered at 100 miles, how am I going to feel at 200 miles? But then you think, Okay, remember I done that hundred mile, but my last mile was probably like a six minute mile, you know the way. But it's the, the eight miles before or the you know, the the you know, the eight miles or whatever before that where you're feeling absolutely crap, you know the way? Yeah. So the head is, yeah, it's it, a lot of it is just in the head, isn't it? You know, it's mad. So the one bit that we were saying there were that was missing, you went on to do fifty two Ironman in fifty two days. Mm. And that was yeah. a huge challenge, and especially the way because um, there was going to be some missed weeks in that, so that yeah. means there was going to be some catch up. So why why did you take on that? Same, I think I've got the picture already. <laughs> you took yeah. it on the next big yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, like we were talking there earlier about um, the the whole um, the death of my brother-in-law and 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 everything that surrounded that. Like you know, the family were absolutely devastated <coughs> devastated at the time. Excuse me. And, um, you know, the Decca really, when I came home, I came home to a homecoming here. Like, I live in a really good community. It's Ballymon, right? And a uh, really strong community. Um, everybody knows everybody pretty much, you know, that way. And when I came home, there was a bit of a homecoming in the, in the I woke in the gym and I had this big hall. And the hall was black with people, you know, absolutely packed. And it must have been 100, 200 people there, like somewhere in between. And it was it was brilliant, but the whole community seemed to get a, a lift, yeah, a yeah, bit of positivity yeah. from it, and especially my family. We weren't talking about, um, you know, the, the, the circumstances that surrounded Nick's past, and it was, you know, more about we could be proud of it, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know. And I, was, I just knew I needed to do more as well, you know, um, as well outside our family. Even our circle of friends, you could feel the positivity, you know, that way. Um, and I felt, I actually got a few messages, actually, on Facebook, on Messenger, people who are like, you know, I'm really inspired by that. Like, and, you know, I started running, I was, you know, in a bad place, all this kind of stuff. I got a couple of messages like that, and they really, really felt great. You know, that way I felt really so like. Yeah, even like you know, and I felt you know, if if I helped that one person, like all that was worthy. That suffering was worthy. So I knew I kind of I knew there was a need for that, like you know that way. And it wasn't really <clears throat> about me 
uh, all look at me, I'm great. Like, you know what I mean? So it was, it was more about that. And I felt if I could help, uh, even as I said, one or two people, it would be totally worth it. So I, I didn't know what I needed to do in terms of the, the race. So I was um, thinking, I actually had a little brainstorm session. I, I was in the gym and my personal trainer had me on gym. And I was training me pal, and we had a little brainstorming session. It was like, what can we do then if we're going to team up a mental health problem again and help them out? What kind of uh, event could we do? It has to be something big, because if I'm going to do a marathon, I won't raise as much fuel bob, because people say, will you feck off? I'm not giving you, you know, 20 quid, 100 quid, so you can go out and do a marathon. You know what I mean? So we're thinking of something for the year long. So then he's like, I was like, okay, can make it a bit handy and all that way can we do 5k's couple of 5k's uh, one a week for the year but that's been done and so it was him who suggested he's like okay you're now known as the Ironman guy around Bally 1 you know you'll have to do a hundred you'll have to do an Ironman a week and I was like oh, thanks for that mate you know um, so I said okay we'll give it a go but at this stage, it was already, I think, the second week of January. So we had missed, <laughs> yeah, we missed the first one, you know, that way. And I had actually signed up to um, the Art O'Neill Challenge. You ever heard the Art O'Neill yeah, Challenge? I, I want to get into that, so I do. Yeah, what? A, oh, man. Oh, Jesus. So, so that, I, that's that was a, that's on. escape, isn't it? It's an escape from, is it Dublin? Prison yeah, or? Dublin Castle. Dublin it, Castle. It's based on a guy, um, Art O'Neill, basically escaped from Dublin Castle hundreds of years ago or whatever, I can't remember what year it was, and he tried to escape on foot and he ended up freezing up in the mountains. Yeah. So it follows his kind of trail, you know, that way. It's quite, an so, um, it's quite an exclusive sort of race, isn't it? Yeah, very that hard to get into. Yeah. That was, I think, my fourth year of applying and just by chance I got on that year. I didn't get in the following year, by the way. But, um, yeah, like, so that was, I had that plan for the second year and, I knew I had holidays planned. I had three kids. They had communion's confirmations, so I couldn't do them on the weekend. So that ruled out Saturday and Sunday. So obviously I work as well. So I'm going to have to take work off um, one day. So Friday kind of suited that. Um, so I'd be able to do it while the kids are in and Miriam's at work and the kids are in school. So again, that side of it suited as well. Um, so that kind of fell into place and, and obviously the obvious choice was to do them on a Friday. But still, you know, just, as I said, communion's confirmations, holidays, it just wasn't going to work out that I could do one religiously every Friday. So already I, I wanted to do kind of, um, there's other formats of Decker and um, these kind of long ultra Ironman distance stuff, right? So there's the format that's called a classic or a continuous format, which is basically all the swim, all the bike, and all the run. So I wanted to try one of these. I hadn't tried one. So I was like, okay, I'll fit one of them in here so that'll make up two weeks or whatever. Yeah, so but you're, if you're I'm talking really, like doubles or triples, like, you know, so instead doubles of... Doubles or triples, yeah. I, I, I work in miles, sorry. So instead of a 2.4-mile swim, you're doing a 4.8-mile swim. Or instead of a 112-mile yeah. bike, it's a 224-mile bike. And then you go on to do the swim. Yeah, all, yeah, all as one big triathlon, yeah. <laughs> so I had planned to do, um, I wanted to do a treble and I wanted to do a um, a um, a queen, which is five. Straight off the bat, that week, that day, I decided I wanted to try these anyway. So I factored them in and I picked the month and everything I wanted to do, them, which gave me a bit of leeway, you know, that way. Um, 
But anyway, going back to week two, my first Ironman involves me doing, um, using that Art O'Neill challenge as the, the run section of my first Ironman. So obviously I had to start later in the day, which was fine, you know, that way. So I done me swim earlier that day, done me bike, and then went into Dublin Castle, had a little nap while I was waiting for it to start, and then went through the, the run. But um, I actually fell off a little bit of a ledge and twisted my ankle badly. But it was, yeah, it was an absolute, but it was one of these where you know you're in trouble, you know that way? And like, I didn't hang around for it to swell up, but I was just knew it wasn't great. I knew I was finished in terms of finishing the race. But where it happened was up the arsehole of nowhere in the, in the mountains. So it, there's no way anyone's getting to me, you know that way? And we were talking about a few races earlier where the weather was bad. I cannot describe to you how bad this weather was. Honest to God, you cannot see your hands in front of your face with the rain and wind. It was just, it was literally the worst weather I've ever been in. I swear to God. Um, I remember getting to the, um, the, the where, where it finishes, basically, it's uh, Glenmilore Lodge. And the guy was saying to me, see that up there? I was like, oh, that'd be a huge waterfall. Like, it was just a white, big, thick thing. He's like, that's never there. That's that's like not even a stream on a bad day. Like, you know, it was just insane. Like, you know, and the, the, the people who walk, I think a lot of the walkers weren't allowed to continue because it was so bad, you know what I mean? But anyway, I knew I had to get to safety. So I got to checkpoint two, I think, but that finishes at 42K. So job done anyway, you know what I mean? And I had to get um, get um, uh, uh, driven back to where you get the bus. Was, me, me race was done. I think the total race is like 55K or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it only had 10 or 12K to go. But there was no, as soon as I stopped, actually, took, they took off the shoe and they're like, you can't run on that. It's ridiculous. It was like a balloon, you know the way? I was like, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm grand. I'm done. Have me 42K. But um, so that was kind of job done. But it meant I had. I think two or three weeks then where I literally couldn't run. So I, I was like, um, I'm lucky enough now that I had planned the, the Queen and the treble already, but I I probably had to add in something else because, you know, what if this happens again? Or it did take a good chunk out of you. You know what I mean? I think I had only one done in January and I think then two done in the last two weeks of February, something like that. You know, I missed a couple of weeks. Um, but then I basically... Came, I think I was short a few weeks in October and I, I knew I couldn't do one in, when was it, the week before Christmas, something like that would work. So all these kind of things. So I wanted to throw in another event just to mess around with it. So, and the weather was getting pretty shit as well. So I threw in another event, uh, another Decca Ironman, but this was going to be all indoor. So uh, the three band AK swim in a pool, the 180k bike on a indoor trainer and then a run on a treadmill, right? Um, and it was great. It was such a brilliant thing to do because like, like it, that's a 2.4 mile swim in the pool, 112 yeah. mile bike, yeah, and then and a then 26 run. mile run on the treadmill and every day for 10 days. Every day for 10 days. That, and is, mental training. that is mental training. But it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And there's, there's a, a guy in uh, Greece, this guy is probably the best in the world. And I was chatting with him about it as well. And he wanted to go and do one then as well. You know, I don't, it had never been done. That's what I, another thing I took from it, actually. It was never done before. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, I'll do one of them. So yeah, great. 
And um, so all these kind of things, it was a brilliant year, you know, to be able to raise. But the indoor one then, it was great to compare it to the outdoor one, you know, because the swim was a lot easier in terms of, okay, it was mentally probably a little bit tough for, for your warm. Um, you can stop and have your drink. And so it was easier. And that's it. I thought the bike was twice as easy. You know the way? Now, it, the strain on your legs, new flat not tires. so much. New flat tires. No. <laughs> no flat tires, yeah, yeah, thank God. I'd probably be there for an hour trying to fix it. But, like, there is consistent pressure. Like, and I, I, I was banjoed, like, I was tired by the, the tour day, I think, you know. But I remember I was finishing them in, like, four and a half hours. I think my fastest one was 4.20. Like, I would never get near that on an outdoor Ironman, you know that way? So it was great to see that. Now, that's not to say you were easy. It was, it was very tough, right? I'm probably... Mentally um, tough, like, you, you must like have a lot of patience or need a lot of patience yeah. when you're doing something like that i think more so on the treadmill the treadmill i think the treadmill compared i'd rather have done the, the run outdoors that was not nice you know that way um because how long would that the, have taken would it have taken five hours six i do you know what i was doing four tens because i had it set at like a, a four a ten minute mile i can't remember i had it set at a pace where it's finishing at 4.10, you know that way? Mm-hmm. Was that 10-minute miles then? Don't know, I'm not is... going to have that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's about 9.15. So I felt 10-minute uh, 10, 10 K then, would it be? Is that right? Yeah, we'll just say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> basically, it was handy, and I didn't have to think. You know, I was just running, um, and it, it did it all for me. But like, yeah, it's like, it's the same thing in your face, the same... <laughs> Same screen. There was this big picture actually down the end of the gym of some some girl on it, an old school. Never seen them Versa climbers. And I was fucking sick of looking at it. But it made me work. <laughs> <laughs> the following few months of the Gary, the next year, I went down and bought a fucking Versa climber. Well, the thing was in my face so much. But anyway, so, you know, so that side of it was, was definitely harder. Um, but it was a great experience. So great to compare it to the other ones. And uh, I had great conversations with that guy from Greece about it, like, you know, and the fact that it had never been done, yeah, brilliant. You know, another one in the bag. But, um, yeah, then I finished then on, I didn't want to, I wanted to finish with a proper one then on the 28th of December. Yeah, but <coughs> so, you're, you're talking about a Quinn there. That's four Ironmen in one go. No, a Quinn is five. I did a Quinn every day for five days in Lilliput, and I took in the, um, what was it, the Celtic Decaman. So the Celtic Decaman is either, you can do a single Ironman, that's the Celtic Decaman, and there's a double option there as well. So I took that in, but I wanted to, um, again, it was for mental health, and I needed to raise a bit of awareness. So every kind of little event like that, I did need to be a little bit more extreme. Do you know that way? raise a bit more awareness about what we're doing. So I done a Queen, so I started three days before Decaman. And take a um, Celtic take a man. So I done the five days, uh, five Ironmans in five days, and I was, like that was tough as well. You know that way it was really tough. But we like the weather down there was amazing. I think I done. I joined in then with the um, so I was doing my own route for the first three. I joined in with the route for the actual race for the next two. I think, but I done on my fourth day. I done. Uh, I, I pretty much got stuck into the the race, and I was. Um, had an, an 11 tour the Ironman on day four like 
which was I was delighted with. You know what I mean? That was class. Yeah, and then the next day, I think, um, did I have an 11.30? No, I think it was like 12, about 12. Sub 12, anyway, which was great, like, you know. Um, but I've done that one on my own, you know. It's brilliant. Great, how great. Was your, how was your body faring up through all of that then? I tell you, it was a great question, actually, because, and I wouldn't have probably gone into this, because the force, I remember sitting down after, I would have been <clears throat> probably my second or third Ironman. My second Ironman was after the... Um, Oh, Art O'Neill debacle, right? It was my first proper Ironman out here. And I sat down, I was running up there and I, I sat down with Miriam and I was like, Jesus, I'm, I'm infected here. Like, you know that way? It was like, you know, when you start your fitness journey in January, it was like that. I was absolutely fit, like, you know? But then by the time um, summer came around, I really built a big aerobic base so I'm not even noticing they were getting easier and easier. I remember doing, we have this event out here in May, um, end of May. So it's it's um, a 100-mile run. It was a, the, the first one we were doing, the inaugural event. So me, myself and a pal of mine were setting it up, and we wanted to do something again to get it out there. So me and him ran 100 miles on this 550K loop. But that's where I train all the time. It's on the grounds where I walk, Trinity Comprehensive Skill and Ballymun. But by then I had done, so up by then I had done that um, Ironman the week before, done a hundred mile run on the Wednesday and then done the Ironman again on the Friday, you know that way? And I felt, I felt, okay, this, it wasn't easy now, but it felt great. You know that way? It felt great. So then by the time the um, August one you're talking about came around, I was untouchable. I was just, I felt, sorry, invincible. I felt like so strong like you know it's quite remarkable and... though isn't it like because if you'd rewounded five years ago and somebody had given you an insight into five years time to see you doing a, an Ironman on the weekend and 100 mile run on the weekend you, there's no way you would have believed them like it's like no, no, Flash no, Gordon no, coming no. out of space or something you know it's just like <laughs> that shit doesn't happen yeah yeah, yeah absolutely no you'd never like Five years ago, I'd never envisaged that. Like you know, yeah. did um, you find then one question I was going to ask you in the Deca, which I'll go back to because it sort of relates to this now. Did you find like that moment that happened when you were sort of down on your knees and you made that phone call? Yeah. Did that Deca change you as a person? Yeah. Oh, definitely. In terms of um, experience-wise with triathlon, yeah, more patience. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tough question to answer. Um, definitely, but probably in more ways than I can kind of express. Do you know that way? But it definitely changed. Definitely as an athlete. Like, 100% as an athlete, you know that yeah. way? But there's, there's something else there, like, you know, the patience, the experience. Just like inner like, strength. Yeah, yeah, more of that kind of thing. Like, like, even when I was signing up for the Decker, I was no, um, I was like, even then I was thinking, yeah, you're really a banana, like, you know that way. Mm. But now, like, it's like, I'm looking for bigger things, you know that way. And even when they are bigger, it's like, well, you can do this. What, what was the most difficult part then of the 52? You did talk about you'd done a few simultaneous ones. Like, was it a double you'd done yeah. or... I done a double. I done a treble. I done the queen, and I done the. Uh, did I do a double? Um, no, I didn't do a double. Actually, I done a treble and well, I mean, the queen. Had you done, had you done like a, a double combined, or was there? 
like had you done a 2.4 mile swim uh, sorry a 4.8 mile swim a 200 oh yes yeah yeah that was the treble one so uh what's the maths on that then yeah three swims um i should be able to remember this i know the swim at some point 11.4k rings yeah, about 7.2 miles yeah that's you, you done a 336 mile bike um and then you obviously ran 70 whatever that is 78 miles See, see, I haven't a clue what I'm talking. If we're talking K here, yeah. If we're talking K, I think it was five, what rings a bell is 520 or 540 K on the bike. And then I think it's a 210 K run. So yeah, that's about right. Um, yeah, yeah. So how, how did that go? Like that, that was a bit of a pinnacle. At what stage of the year was that? Oh, that was, um, I think that was August bank holiday weekend. Um, and the weather was great. Everything, do you know, even when it rained there, the weather, it only rained one day or something, but the, the rain was warm. You know, it was absolutely amazing weather. Um, the event, um, oh no, sorry, I get mixed up with the travel and the, 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 the Queen. Sorry, the Queen was was brilliant. All the weather was excellent. The treble, right, was the the 11.4K swim. That was that was tough. I think that took me like three hours, twenty minutes, something like that, which I, I was delighted with, you know. Um, and then the bike was the big one, right? And yeah. um, it was a fucking oh, it was so tough. And what was tough about it was where we were was the, the middle of the country. There's no road lights, you know that way. So I was doing this ten k loop. It's an out and oh, back. No way. Uh, yeah, just to be safe, you know that way, to be close to home. And um, so that alone slows you right down. But it wasn't. Yeah, on a 10K thing, out and back. But what was wrong, what was tough about it was there was no road lights. um, So it was literally pitch black. Now, what was lucky was it was was kind of the height of summer. So it was only pitch black for probably four hours or something. Um, So then I had a, a head torch, right? And all I could see was this circle on the ground and that's all and then with my eyes like i was absolutely banjoed so th- there was a lot of strain on me me and uh, good eye because i can't like, use to, bring it, to bring it back at the beginning of the conversation you're blind in your left eye yeah so that must be the, the, like were you hallucinating at that stage you must have been some level no, of, I, no. like i never oh, have gotten out. that words. <laughs> i've never gotten that in anything i've done like Probably good with the old, uh, the salt levels, uh, <laughs> keeping up on them. But I've never got any kind of hallucination stuff, so hopefully that continues. Yeah. But um, no, it was more the strain on the eye was almost unbearable to, to the point where I was like squinting, trying to, you know, focus on that one spot. And it was just, it was almost hypnotic, actually. That's what it was, you know? And I knew it was getting almost dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I had to, I was aware of it. I had the self-awareness to know this. So when I, I, I went back then, I was like, right, this is getting a bit dodgy here, you know? So what I'll do is have a little nap here. So I had, I think, an hour maybe. Got back up and felt great, felt refreshed again. But done another couple of hours and it was the same. So I think I had another kind of cat nap of a few minutes to half an hour, something like that. And uh, Miriam was with me for this one, and I wanted her to, she was banjoed as well, God love her. So I told her to go to bed and have a few hours. And I actually had to pretend to go to bed to make her to go to bed and, and sleep. So when she was asleep, I kind of snuck out, done a few laps, like, and then I came back in, because again, the eye was getting strained. And she's like, oh, are you getting up? I was like, 
no, I'm about to do 50k there. <laughs> I'm having a little rest. Uh, so, so it was funny and a great experience. And again, more lessons learned. You know, that was brilliant. So, how did your body feel at the end of that session? Like, because the thing about it is, you have to continue on after this, you know. And you've just done a seven. Well, we've said what you've done, like. But... Yeah, on the, on the continuous one. So I'll assume all the bike all around. I I the, it was great. I honestly felt fine, and I felt it could get kept going as well. And I think it was because it was like I was building over the years. It's not, you know, in a way. It's so um, remarkable, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah, so remarkable. like. It's and it's funny because I met actually Jerry Duffy after this one, right? He heard I was doing it and he was doing there was something on that morning in the um I think he came down to do a half or or a half marathon, something like that. And we got chatting like and he's like, You're telling me you just done such and such, such and such and, and the two hundred and ten K and and because I ran over to meet I, I think I was I like what was I was chatting with him? I ran off to grab something to give him something, something like that, right? And he's like, "You're telling me you're running back here to me and you've done that?" Like, it's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." And he's like, "That's like, that's brilliant." Like, you know that way? Right? It's weird. Yeah, I got it's a great, almost weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seven, I got a great confidence boost. You know, seven point two mile swim followed by a three hundred thirty six bike followed by a seventy eight mile. I know that's. Um, Welsh to you or whatever language <laughs> but yeah. um that is just absolutely crazy like you know it is I know I know the miles in the single day event when you start going adding stuff on your maths is terrible you know but um yeah I know it was, it was a great experience now in saying that like it, you know I had a couple of hours over the bike and I like I had a great little setup as well down there where I um, had a a, a a chair where I'd have a then sit down, refuel, and go again. So I was only doing, I think, a, ten, a 5K loop. I just kept doing that. Some of them might bang out 10Ks and so on and so on. But I had the option to have a little rest, you know, that way. Or, like, I tried not to sit down too much because I felt it breaks momentum too much. So I'd uh, stand there, have a bit of refuel, and go again. Like, And that meant you didn't have to carry anything, you know, that way. Yep. So... Yeah. So... What was it like then on the last, so did you say the 28th of December? 28th of December was the last day, yeah. So what was yeah. that like? So, that must have been. Uh, it was euphoric. We made a big a big, um, big thing about it. You know, we've got a friend of mine, uh, Claire Smith actually who organized the deck. She's a, a graphic designer. So she made a little poster for us and we put it out there and, Loads of people showed up for the run part. I was still down the site. I think that day I cycled out to, um, I cycled up the country somewhere actually and back just to um, make it a proper cycle, you know, that way. And um, then I done the run on the grounds when I was telling you of earlier, 550 uh, meter loop. And so people could come and join with me. And I think there was about, uh, about 100 people there as well. A few people ran with me, about 50 people ran. And some people coming from down the country and all, it was brilliant, like, you know. And they uh, got a couple of pizzas over from the local, uh, what do they call um, I won't say pizza, uh, fire, firehouse pizza in Ballymun supplied us with pizza and all. And it was a great event, you know, that way. And uh, made a big thing out of it. Um, again, for Mental Health Ireland, the Mental Health Ireland crowd were out. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic day. But more probably relief that's that's over now because i tell you the the hardest part of that was like like i know they weren't all consecutive weeks but 
when I was doing, I did do a lot of them consecutively. Like, you know, I'd probably done, you know, five or six here and there consecutive. And the worst thing about it was you'd finish it on, say, on a Friday, and then you were sore and, and, and tired on the Saturday. Finish on the Friday, tired and sore on the Saturday, still on the Sunday, but you're still trying to do stuff with the family. And then Monday is like, shit, I'll have like four days now and I have to do this again. Tuesday, it's worse. Wednesday, it's worse. Thursday, you're getting your gear ready and it's back into Friday. So it's just the mental side of that was really tough. And then again, in January, February, Mar- January, February, March, all these all these nights where it's raining, it's dark. Yeah. Nobody gives an absolute crap what you're doing. That's what it feels like. And they don't like, you know, people have that life story about that. Like, you know, you're taking away here and you have to kind of remind yourself why you're doing it. So those nights I remember running, getting off my bike and it's dark at four o'clock, half four, you know? And then I'm like, right, I have to run a marathon here and it's pissing out. And you're like, nobody cares. Um, but I kind of have to do it now. I set up, do it this is why I'm doing it. Like I remember like about Mick, about uh, mental health Ireland, um, all these kind of things. You're not getting a medal, but this is not what you're doing it for. So it was, it was really character building, you know, that way. And yeah. Um, yeah, they were the hard nights. They were really hard, like, you know, so okay. I got a lot from that. So you're doing the tunnel race this year and it sounds like you have, you've got, you've, <laughs> Gone through an amazing journey to take on the tunnel, which is a 200-mile race, um, w- one mile in a one-mile, um, fo- is it a foot tunnel? I think it is. A yeah, tunnel, it's a pedestrian it? tunnel. Yeah, pedestrian tunnel. So there's no cars, although it's open to the public. So there's bikes and, and other runners in it, you know. Obviously, that won't be a problem during the night, but it'll be a factor during the day, I'd imagine, you know. So you're you're patience comes to mind in a race like that 100 100 and i'm hoping all those past experiences will have I, I think even i know it's a loop i run on and it's half the distance but i think i'm used to the same kind of thing over and over and over and i'm hoping that all my training is in that little kind of repetitive you know it's 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 same kind of format almost you know and i'm hoping that I have, now i could end up doing 50 miles and pulling my hair I don't know because I was so strong obviously I built it up over the 2018 and I'm kind of out of that well I'm training hard as well to be fair I'm just hoping those past experiences help me out but it is going to be I think it's more suited to me this kind of a two it's actually 210 mile apparently it's over a mile mm-hmm. and that accumulates into another 10 miles something like that um, but I'm hoping that um yeah, I think I'm more suited to this as opposed to like a 200 mile or over, you know, from start point to point race. I don't know, we'll see, but um, because all my training has been on that loop and the Decker was on a loop similar, like yeah. I think the Decker was, was it two miles, 2.1 miles, something like that, down and back. Um, Your mind's trained for that, like, so I, I'm I actually think, doing last one standing now on the 15th of February. And I do feel I need to do about four or five of these events before I get any good at it. Um, yeah. But I was out, I went out on the pitch one week and I ran like a 17 mile or 16.8 mile loop around the football pitches, then 21 mile loops. I was so motivated that, work, that week. Three days later, I ran a 25 mile, just trying to get my 
the patience really and just accept what's going on and then i just lost my motivation for doing that i thought like no this is shit (laughs) (laughs) but it is so difficult you know um but in races like that you do have to be patient and just keep believing that you will get there yeah it's 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 like they you know they use the 80 20 rule with a lot of this where they say it's 80 percent mental and 20 percent i i um believe it's dramatically higher. I think it's closer to 95 and to 5% is physical. <laughs> it really is like, and I think as well, outside of that, what will help that is if you have a good strategy from the start, you know, because I think a lot of inexperienced people might go into this now and they'll think, I don't, I don't know if they'll, I don't know if they'll run or even put in any walking from the start. They'll probably go in with the, the thing where they'll run until they're tired and then start walking, that kind of thing. But I think a good strategy from the very beginning will help the kind of mental side of it later on and the physical side, of course, like, you know, that way. But um, yeah, I think two of them are closely linked there as well. But yeah, without doubt, like these kind of events are just a lot more um, mentally challenging than physical, like, you know. That's class. Hopefully I won't be, this won't be in my first race where I start hallucinating. Oh, you're you're definitely going to hallucinate in that one, I'd say. Jared, thanks very much. We're going to wrap it up at that. yeah, yeah. I really did go over it really briefly <laughs> because you had so much in there. I'd like to have really gone into some of that and really broke broke down some of that pain, but I think we we, we covered it pretty well there. Um, yeah. Really well charged. Appreciate that. Like good positive energy. I'm gonna look forward to tracking you on in the tunnel. Slightly disappointed in the sound of the last couple of podcasts, but I hope it doesn't stop you from enjoying Jer's story. It blows my mind what he's achieved over the last few years. Just shows what good fuel can do for your body. If you did enjoy this episode, please post on Facebook. Jer has his own podcast. If you're interested, check it out. Uh, You can find it on Spotify. Just type in his name and it should come up. I think I'm going to have to investigate the Art O'Neill challenge a bit further, so keep an eye out for next week's podcast. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.